Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. My heart is missing listening to it. I nearly crying because she's such an cutie. I've gone through at the home of my representative that I'm driving at to the hog, so yeah. they can't get the answers. How are the people going to get the answers? They know how hard I work, and to get nothing at the end of it is very, very hard. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 3 96 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96 FM. Morning to you, Monday. I don't think the hour made a huge difference. Somebody was saying on Twitter yesterday morning that the hour going forward had completely messed up her smallies routine and wouldn't they think of her children and not put it back or forward anymore? Like, come on, an hour? I like I like it. Yesterday was a beautiful evening. Lovely. I was coming out of the Opera House last evening at around... Uh, maybe quarter to eight. I'll tell you why in a minute. I was at a lovely event for a lovely person of whom I'm so, so fond. And there was a big surprise in the Opera House last evening for her. Tell you more about that during the morning. But um, I was coming out of the Opera House, crossing the bridge there to get my car over on the other side. And just as I looked at the first proper sunset of the new time, as my mama used to call it long ago, uh, over Cork. And it was just gorgeous. It was just so, so lovely. But I thought that was so funny yesterday morning I saw this early morning post on Twitter someone going me Smalley's routine is all ruined by the change in the time <laughs> oh, so glad I haven't got Smalley's anymore good morning 0818 96 96 96 the number the text to whatsapp is 083 396 96 96 and the email is opinion at 96fm.ie for whatever is on your mind if we're not talking about it and you think we should be pick up that phone. We've had more reports of stolen cars. It's an absolute nightmare out there now for people who own Japanese imports because there's a little gang or a couple of little gangs out there who've realised that these little cars have no mobile edges in them for the most part. They're able to rob them, get away with them in a few minutes, drive the hell out of them, burn them out. It's all great fun for these little thugs. Another few cases coming in. Also, we found that they are still ripping out the kitchens out of council houses. All right, but let me go first to a story 
that we were waiting on on Friday. You know the way it's an absolute nuisance. You're waiting on a story to happen, and it happens like two minutes after you get off the radio. That was the Graham Dwyer case. We were waiting to see what would happen. He was waiting for the outcome of his appeal against his conviction for the murder of Elaine O'Hara. You'll know, or you'll remember, that his mobile phone records, which were used to trap him and to convict him and as evidence against him and all that. There was a long and protracted argument over the last couple of years about the legality of those records. And they were deemed to be illegally collected. And he thought that because of that, he was going to walk. Or at least he was going to get a retrial. He got he got neither, but the story might not be over. Joined by uh, sports reporter Frank Graney. Frank, good morning. It's been a long, convoluted one. It's not even over yet. Good morning. Good morning to you, PJ. It's certainly been a long process, a gruelling process for Elaine O'Hara's family. I think yes. that's fair to say. Yes. You know, today actually marks the eighth anniversary since Graeme Dwyer was found guilty of murdering Elaine O'Hara. I was there on that dramatic day in a packed courtroom in the Central Criminal Court when he was found guilty of murdering Elaine. And it's hard to believe, I don't think anyone would have envisaged at the time, that we'd be, still be talking about it all these years later. And as you say, I suppose time will tell if Graeme Dwyer will return to another courtroom with another appeal down the road. Um, we'll have to wait and see if he does pursue mm. some sort of an appeal before the Supreme Court. But for now, as you say, he lost his appeal against the conviction before the Court of Appeal on Friday. And it is also fair to say that it was an emphatic loss. He mm. lost all of his grounds of appeal. Go, go through the phone data story, Frank, because that was the biggie. The guards were not at fault here, but the 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 taking of the the using of the records was illegal. Can you go through briefly why? Yeah, well, I suppose to sum it up in a nutshell, what the court found and what other courts have found is that the harvesting of the metadata. So this is call records and location data. The harvesting of that was actually done unlawfully. That is accepted now by the courts. But on the back of a Supreme Court a number of years ago, the court felt in relation to a, a separate and entirely separate case, they felt that even in circumstances where through the investigation of serious crime, where evidence is obtained unlawfully, as long as it was obtained in good faith, um, that can be deemed acceptable and that can go to a jury at trial. And that's kind of what happened here. Phone evidence in, in during the trial itself was a central, if not the central plank of the prosecution's case against Graham Dwyer. There were two elements to it. Um, firstly, the contents of thousands of text messages, 2,620 to be precise, they were taken from five mobile phones, three of which were attributed to Graham Dwyer. He only accepted um, uh, ownership in relation to one of them. He denied any links to two of the other phones. And then the second element in relation to the phone evidence at trial was that metadata. That was um, his call records and location data retained by mobile phone service providers. Uh, they were obliged under law 
um, to retain that information. And then the Gardaí were able to access it subsequently. Now, the directive, the EU directive that underpinned that law was deemed to be invalid, unlawful. Dwyer spent years, and that's the reason it took so long for him to bring this appeal. He spent years fighting against that legislation through the courts. This went all the way to the Supreme Court with a detour to the Court of Justice uh, of the EU and he was ultimately successful. So as you say, I think he would have been quietly confident coming into Mm. the Court of Appeal on Friday. And the judgment was read out and it was a 63-page judgment. It took some time. Uh, It was read out by the President of the Court of Appeal, Mr Justice George Birmingham, who, for whatever reason, decided to save the best for last. So we went through all of the other grounds of appeal before he came to the court's decision in relation to uh, the mobile phone evidence. Uh, This metadata, as I say, was a central and integral part of the prosecution's case because it put Dwyer at certain locations at certain times relevant to the investigation. And the defence claimed that that was their main, their key piece of evidence. So clearly, if it was inadmissible, then, you know, obviously they felt that the conviction would be unsafe. But the prosecution disagreed. They claimed that the role that that evidence played was relatively marginal and particularly in relation to the the text messages, the those 2,620 text messages that were put to the court. And in the end, that's where the Court of Appeal landed on the issue. They described the metadata as the icing on the cake, yeah. that it was yeah. a bonus, but yeah. that the cake itself was all of the other evidence and they found nothing wrong with that evidence. Effectively, the prosecution's message to him was, look, fine, whatever about the metadata, we've got you on lots more than that. And and that's kind of where it came from. Now, I was listening to an interview over the weekend, Frank, with a man, I'm sure you'll be familiar of him, uh, Ono Dell, the Associate Professor of Law at Trinity College. And, and he yep. was saying, this isn't over, that we're kind of only two thirds of the way through the match here. So what could happen now? Well, I suppose that's up to Graham Dwyer and his legal team. As I say, this was a lengthy and complex judgment delivered on Friday. I've no doubt that they will spend some time going through that with a fine-tooth comb. Um, Graham Dwyer does, I suppose, potentially, and that is an important word, potentially have another avenue of appeal before the Supreme Court. But unlike years ago where you had an almost automatic right to appeal uh, a decision like this to the Supreme Court. That's no longer the case. The Supreme Court has become very busy over the years, so it doesn't take every case that comes across its desk. Graeme Dwyer and his legal team will have to prove to the court that there are legal issues of general public importance that will have to be aired out before the Supreme Court will take a case. So if he decides to pursue and appeal before the highest court in this land, he'll first have to seek permission to do so. Um, There was another interesting case before the Supreme Court earlier in the week in relation to Patrick Quirk, the man who murdered Bobby Mr Moonlight Ryan. That went to the Supreme Court on two legal issues. So he lost his appeal last year on 52 grounds of appeal, but then the Supreme Court did agree to listen to two points of appeal because he was able to convince the court that they raised issues yeah. of general public importance. So Graeme Dwyer will have to do the same okay. before the Supreme Court will hear a, okay. a further appeal. All right, Frank, for now, he's going back to prison and he's asking to be moved. Is he asking to be moved to Arbor Hill where all of the all of the lifers are? Is that where he's asking to be moved to? 
I'm not sure. That's that's something obviously that the Irish prison service will have to deal with. He yeah. has been serving his sentence in, in the Midlands. Midlands prison, as yeah. as as far as I know, and he was in court on Friday. That hasn't been the case throughout Supreme Court challenges in relation to that legislation. He wasn't required to be in court, but he was there on Friday. And I must say, him no more than the rest of us has been affected by the passage of time. Eight years since that high-profile trial, a lot more grey hairs. He's yeah. balding now as well, and those. I suppose, you know, those pictures that you'll see of Graham Dwyer in his tailored suits, well, he was certainly dressed far more casually on, on Friday wearing a, a quarter zip top. Um, he was very agitated throughout as well, I must say. Very frustrated, I think, when it started to become clear and just the way the judgment was presented, starting off with, you know, other grounds of appeal in relation to prejudice and his claim that he didn't receive a fair trial. And as those smaller, arguably less important grounds of appeal started to fall away, you got the sense that Graham Dwyer was getting a little bit uncomfortable in the dock because he knew mm. that his case now rested exclusively on that mobile phone evidence. And when it became clear that he was also going to lose uh, that battle, you could see him trying to relay messages to his legal team. But at that point, it was game over. There was very little that they could do for him at that point. Uh, whether or not, I say, there will be more to come in relation to this story. And here we are talking about it eight years on. Mm. We've been talking about it at various points since 2015. You know, time will tell now whether we'll be back on your show talking about it again, PJ. You know, for the sake of the O'Hara family, we would hope not. We would hope that this is it. Frank, thank you. Frank Graney, uh, court reporter. This story of Graham Dwyer. Why do we take such an interest? Because he is a Corkman, originally from West Cork. An architect by profession, convicted March 27th, 2015, this day eight years ago, and still trying to get out of prison for where he is serving life and will serve life well, continues to serve life for the murder of Elaine O'Hara and it's of her and her family I suggest that we should be thinking rather than of him or anything else like that the other big story at the weekend we were here talking about it on Friday morning was the, the Kerry Babies the arrests in the Kerry Babies case and there's a lot in your newspapers this morning the solicitor for the two people who were arrested on Thursday evening, who were subsequently released on Friday night. Slister has been giving a number of interviews to the newspapers this morning. Some very interesting reading in it. I don't propose to go there, but if you want to go and buy a newspaper, you can read the interviews. 0818 96 96 96. Robbed cars. A spate of them. With two or three callers on Friday morning whose cars were taken on Patrick's Day. We continue to get complaints. We continue to get messages. There is a serious problem. And I'm thinking back to the 80s when my dad, God rest him, was a guard uh, sergeant, in inspector in fact, in the north side of the city and they had a huge joyriding problem up there, as they called it at the time. Uh, it would appear it's as bad as ever if not worse. Next. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork's 96 FM Question 10. What chess piece moves first? The pawn. So you actually got 9 out of 10. I'm delighted. I know. And then the one that you obviously had doubts about, uh, what chess piece moves first, the correct answer, unfortunately, is pawn. You've just won 2,000 euros! Boom! Shaka! 
Yeah. You buy a defibrillator now. <laughs> Someone says here, who pays for all these appeals? Data protection can be an awful joke in some cases. Yeah, yeah. Who pays for them? <laughs> you do. And so do I. And so does Emer. And so does Fergal. Us poor sods. We pay for it. Kate says, does anyone think about the hurt and pain this causes to the victims and their relatives and their ongoing legal proceedings? There must be a better way. You'd wish that, wouldn't you, Kate? 0818 96 96 96. Back to stolen cars. And one of the callers on Friday mentioned that shopping centres where where these guys go to rob their cars. Um, Olivia, your car was taken from where? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, it was taken from Douglas Village Shopping Centre, um, the multi-storey there on Thursday, the 9th of March. Okay. What was um, it? It was a Toyota Aqua. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and and it got it got burnt out, yeah. It subsequently, yeah, it was was burnt out, yeah. Um, it was found a couple of days later. So yeah, that's the predicament I'm in. Yeah. You were doing <laughs> your shopping, yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, you can imagine my confusion on the morning. I went into the centre, did some shopping, dropped the shopping back to the car, just food shopping, and yeah. then went off to do. I had an appointment in Douglas Village. And came back and no car in the car parking space. And was um, the car so park busy at the time? Very busy. Actually, that day, uh, I even myself had to go up into the second floor. Right. Um, I had noted myself how busy it was for a Thursday morning, I, I felt, you know. Yes. Because I'm, I'm from the locality and I just felt it was quite busy that day. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And... Like was there? You, were you aware there was no immobilizer in the car? Yeah, um, no, I wasn't. No, mm. no. Do you have it long? Yeah, I have it nearly two years. Right. Two years in June. Yeah. You covered yeah. for insurance and all that. Yeah, I've had a rental with my insurance company, um, and now I'm paying for a rental myself until this gets sorted. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a pain to be honest you know was there anything in the car precious that was burnt out and damaged no Uh, no no nothing of value well there was a food there was a food shop who knows where that went to there is definitely a a space of this and as we've been finding out more and more and from the evidence coming into us and the calls we've been getting it's kids Olivia kids like no, like, uh, to be honest, PJ, like, I suppose I can't say too much about it because with my case, I have a lot of evidence. Okay. And it has been escalated, so I won't discuss that. So, okay. Um, oh. Yeah, they're underage, you yeah. know, and um, I suppose, as you have been mentioning, they don't see the pain they cause the person that, you know, I came to the car at 10 to 2, I had to pick my kids up from school. Um. It's just the headache. Like, I, I'll, I'll be out of pocket for this. I mean, out of pocket renting a car mm. and then buying a new car. Yeah. Um, I'll have to put more money up to that. So, yeah, it's just, 
Mm. And for their kind of senseless fun, you know, my car has been all over TikTok, being driven all over the place that evening. Um, I've seen the videos and it's just, it's just galling, to be honest. I think you're very kind when you say they don't understand. I would go further than that, Olivia. I'd say they don't care. They don't care. They don't care. Yeah, I guess. Look, I suppose, look, do you know what it is? I can't think too much about them, PJ. I, I just know. have to focus on myself. I know, look, I, I wish we could solve all the problems in the world, but we can't, you know? Yes. Um, look, mm. guards yeah, were helpful, I, don't I know what's I, going I, I know you don't want to I think the guards have been of great help to you. And anyone who has oh, come yeah. to us with a story, the guards have been a great help. But the guards are frustrated. I have to say, oh my God, I'm dealing with the guard in Douglas. They're amazing. I've felt so supported. And, and you know what? I feel so sorry for them because there's a lot of things going on in the world. And these kids are just taking up so much of their time. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's it's tough. It must be tough to go into work every day and be dealing with nonsense like this. Yeah. And I just hope nobody gets hurt off the back of it because they're, they're doing it for kicks, PJ, you know? You're so right. You're so completely yeah. right. Olivia, yeah. thank you very much and I hope everything works out for you with the insurance and get as much as you can back on, on the car on the car anyway. Thank you very much. That's Olivia, our latest caller whose car was stolen. She made a point there about the guards. I was listening to an interview yesterday with the, the Assistant General Secretary of the Guard, the Representative Association, who said that the number of guards now just quitting, just quitting because of the sheer hassle of being a guard. The sheer grief of being a guard are quitting now. It's The numbers are at an all-time high, which is very sad to see. I'll come back to these. They're coming in even as I speak now since we raised it again on the programme. But I tried to talk to Andrew at the end of the programme on Friday and the, the line just wasn't cooperating. Remember we were talking about to Charlotte from the Sunday Times about digital etiquette and how you don't send anybody a thumbs up, you don't communicate by emojis, you ring... Listen, if you want to call your friend, you don't do it without warning them first, which I thought is the maddest one ever. Pal of mine who I haven't spoken to in ages, not because I don't want to talk to him, because he's not around, rang me yesterday. I was delighted to get a call. I had no warning it was coming. Anyway, all that crack. We talked about that with Charlotte on Friday and and Andrew had sent us an email a few weeks back about the, the whole etiquette <laughs> I said I'd bring him back how are you doing fella? Morning PJ how are you? Good in your email you said look the whole world has changed and couples are always getting in, in, into grief with each other over this kind of etiquette what do you mean? Um, well, it was just initially the thumbs up. I think it can be very cutting in a, a conversation, text message. Really? Uh, it can be kind of passive aggressive in a way. Um, to you, you mean? No, just in general. Like some some people can say that you know, why couldn't you have said just goodbye or whatever? And it's just that thumbs up. It's kind of like, yeah, I'm I'm done. Um, no. You mentioned it Friday, but you were saying you do a lot of it, but I think it's okay in a work environment because of your time constraints. You yeah. have to do it quickly. But it was more uh, speaking about in a kind of a personal conversation and text message that when someone just signs off and it thumbs up. Right. Would it bother you, for example? Um, and sometimes it can do, yeah, it can. Really, really. Yeah. As in, so you might, let's imagine you're telling me something now, you're telling me a, about something that you want me to do. like, mm. And you 
call him and he'll do that for you and tell him I sent you blah 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 to me the thumbs up means grand message received and understood will do that's what that means I think it did years ago but I think it has changed um, I suppose with people's time constraints and they just kind of like thumbs up yeah whatever that kind of way Mm. now X's in the comments if you open up and I'm looking here straight Mm. through the glass at Emer because she's in Mammy's WhatsApp groups right Mammy's WhatsApp groups are the basketball team mentors they're full Mm. people who put X's at the end of their uh, message just as a matter of course that's often misread yes and I suppose we say when people post pictures on their socials if someone comments with a love heart or an ex sometimes that can have a whole different repercussions with um, I suppose jealous boyfriends or jealous girlfriends and asking who's this person that's putting love heart on your picture yeah. um, I mean like they're just simple little emojis I suppose when you think about PJ they're modern day hieroglyphics they are you know they are it's going kind of gone full circle just to an image how we communicate there was an interesting point that you made about the I think we were referring to WhatsApp you know the blue tick in WhatsApp that yeah. says person has seen and read the message yeah, now yes, yes. most people have that you can switch mm. it off but most people have it mm. so you get this person that said oh I sent you a message saying goodnight I'm going to bed correct and hang on it's 3 in the morning he read that message where were you read the message 3 o'clock in the morning like yeah. are people that paranoid Andrew um, it happens. It happens. It's also the same on Messenger with green light. Some people saying that, why didn't you answer me? You were active. But like seemingly this screen dock can stay on for hours. Yeah. You know, you don't even realise it. So it is, um, yeah, I suppose it's just the, it's the way we communicate these days. And it's, I suppose if you just pick up the phone and speak to people, mm. yes, things can't be misconstrued then with the spoken word. There's the thing, on the phone calls, yeah. Now that was a, a pal of mine, a good pal. We've been friends for years, thirty years and more. Rang me yesterday out of the blue. I was delighted to get mm. his phone call. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and the idea—you're now supposed to text someone first. Um, is it okay if I call? Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Come on. Like, you know. <laughs> all the guy. All the guy wanted to do was say, "Listen, he works in the UK." He said, "Look, I'm I'm home for two weeks at, at Easter. Can we go for a pint?" Yeah. <laughs> That's all he wanted. But anyway, come here to me. The reason you were on such a bad line on, on Friday was you were headed to Dublin for a, for a DJ gig. Talk to me briefly. This is flying, young man. Yeah, I was uh, going to Dublin Friday. I was staying on um, Fever, that's um, based in Blanchestown in Dublin. It's or an online station, one. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they just asked me up to do an hour set and to do little uh, question and answers on the new track. Um, it's an old Sir Henry's track, which I remixed, um, and it went into the charts, I think, on um, Patrick's Day at number 33. Mm. I think it's currently at number four. It's, it's fantastic. I mean, one. I remember the Henry's track. It was a man, I think, and any Henry's, anyone who can remember Henry's in the 90s. Yeah. Like, it's... It's an anthem. It's an anthem. It is, yeah, so did yeah. you do all this? I know you've got a little home studio and stuff. Did you do all it all as well? Home, is, uh, he gave me uh, initially. Victor gave me the stems, and um, like it was like when they say stem, stem could be one little chord That's of right. a piano, and went to a studio in uh, Newcastle, and we got to put it all put together. Fantastic. I had uh, spoken to Victor in December, 
and I just told him that I felt it could be revisited with a more punchy or more disco yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, he basically said to me do what you want um, he's actually in Miami at the moment at the Winter Music Conference and he played us last night he said in yeah, Miami it's getting played at beach parties I can see and I'm, I'm not blowing smoke where it shouldn't be blown mm-hmm. now Andrew I love beach bar music and mm-hmm. for me what you've done with that track is beach bar waiting yeah, yeah. for beach bars it's brilliant yeah. well done to you thank you well done to you it's it's great piece of work and when you hear that particular version it feels so right it's a corkman all over it thank you very, and thanks for the, for the email as well good man and good luck with it climbing up to the, the, the dance charts track source if you, if you want to look I'm shamelessly plugging a track remixed by an old part of the show if you want to look up tracks source with an X tracks source you can buy it there if you remember your Henry's and you want to download it it's a cracking version of that old tune. Andrew, thanks. 0818 96 96 96. Um, just there's a thing on, <laughs> yeah, on the digital stuff and the digital etiquette. I hate that word, etiquette. I always call it etiquette. Um, I just, yesterday, I was thinking of what Charlotte said to me on Friday. And I'd like your take on this too. So you're going to ring a pal who you haven't spoken to in a while, or they ring you out of the blue. Like, should they literally text you beforehand and say, oh, I would, can I ring you? Like, I was out yesterday, I was actually, actually, (laughs) I'm going to sound like Reggie now on Black Rock Road. I was in a hockey match, if you don't mind, yesterday. My daughter was playing. And the phone rang in my pocket, or vibrated in my pocket, and I said, oh my goodness, I haven't talked to him in a long time. How are you, boy? And he was only asking, could we go for a No, I was... I I think if I'm following etiquette, I'm supposed to be annoyed because he didn't text me first, which is way over that. Um, I mentioned the, the Gada situation, the recruitment, and how people are walking away from the force. I heard an interview yesterday with the Deputy General Secretary, I think, of the Gada Representative Association. I didn't write the name down. But I worked in security... And I was spat at, punched, and even had cars driven at me. When I would make complaints to the guards, they'd say, that's part of the job. There are people like me who have to put up with it. We don't get much sympathy, and we're on much less pay and have much less job security. Well, I don't know what guard said to you, it's part of the job. It shouldn't be part of the job. It shouldn't be part of your job in security. It shouldn't be part of a guard's job to be driven at or threatened like that, but it was a kind of a stupid thing to say. Then someone said, I wasn't very, and remain very disappointed at the Gardaí involved in the Kerry Babies case. At worst, they got a slap on the wrist. Sure, they even got that. If the guards want public support, they have to be seen to be able to and to take appropriate action against their own members. We're finally starting to see this with the Metropolitan Police, correct? And I think we should see it with the guards. But I do believe, if memory serves me right, that after the balls that was made of it and the terrible thing that was done to the Hayes family, the dreadful way in which they were treated and the dreadful way, the disgraceful behaviour of the state against Joanne Hayes, I think, if I remember rightly, the murder squad was disbanded at that stage. I don't know if anybody lost their job. I don't know if anybody lost their pension. I don't know if anybody was disciplined. I don't believe they were, not properly anyway, for what they did to that family. So yeah, 0818 96 96 96. It came up on the programme last week we're talking about council houses and how long it takes to turn them over and how we were saying, well if I leave a council house this Friday, 
in immaculate condition. It will sit idle for anything up to two years before it's allocated out. And what's more, they will take the kitchen and they will take the bathroom and they will lift the floor out of it. And I was asking, is it still going on? You can be sure it is. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The Cork Diary. Cork's 96 FM. Brooklodge National School Glanmire Parents Association will be holding a quiz night at Sarsfield Hurling Club on Thursday the 30th of March at 8pm. There'll be great prizes up for grabs and all funds raised will go towards the purchase of interactive whiteboards for Brooklodge National School. To reserve your table, you can email brooklodgepa at gmail.com. And if you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie The Cork Diary With CorkSimon.ie Because everyone who calls Cork home should have one Cork's 96fm Before we get to the calls we've been getting about, it is still happening with the ripping out of old uh, furniture, or brand new and well-maintained kitchens and bathrooms out of council houses when they become vacant, which they are still doing. I would dearly love and I know they listen down in City Hall I know you all listen down in City Hall. Can someone please tell us why you would rip a perfectly good kitchen out of a house? Why you would rip a perfectly good bathroom out of a house? Why do you do that? Can someone please tell me? But but Frank and I didn't see this last night I'm, I'm kind of at a loss here. The whole country was talking about DIY SOS last night. It was a Cork family. I normally watch that back on a Monday or Tuesday night when I'm finished with a bit of work. But it was a Cork family. And Frank, you made a very good point there. Morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? All right. Well, first of all, I'll say it's a must watch. Okay. Excellent. It, it's so good, it's almost worth paying the license. Almost. Okay. <laughs> um, but. Um, yeah, an, an absolutely beautiful, don't-work, Northside family, the Drummonds. Um, their young fella, 12 months ago, he was an international, 21-year-old international basketball it's player. Adam Drummond, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah Adam, yeah. Adam fell from a height and severed his spine. Yeah. I'll be talking to him later on, as it turns oh, out. Oh, yeah. right, right. Very good, very good. Um, but, so yeah, and... and he, their house is on Redemption Road and big steps down to it. Adam hadn't seen the inside of his house in 12 months because it just it was impossible. None of yeah. the family could go back home. Yeah. In the in their call, Baz, Baz Ashwami and the DIY SOS. And in nine days, they, I won't say they rebuilt the house, they built a brand new house on the spot mm. in nine days. Now yeah. it takes the city council a minimum of nine months just to turn one around. And that's nine, nine months is a blessing. Like, um, so I'd say put Baz in as city manager. <laughs> or at least in charge of the housing department, yeah. I mean, just, PJ, when you watch it, you will just be absolutely amazed. I'd yeah. say there wasn't a dry eye on the north side last night. I'd say not. No, I, and I know those houses up in Redemption Road. Like that, you have to go down and they put... So I, I can't wait to see it. There's stuff up on Twitter. There was hardened old hacks were well, bawling into their tea. Well, I'd be quite honest, PJ. It brought one to my eye, like. Right. And I'd be old school, like I mean. But 
I you know, and just to see the minute he was brought in there, the look on Brian, his dad, now and Ma, and looking the faces. You know, it's to sort of no loss of win would would compare to it. Like, all right, bye. all right, I can hear your own voice starting to quiver at the. I, I will have Adam. Uh, later uh, this morning and I'm looking forward to actually seeing the show because now I want to do is I normally tend to just watch catch up on it during the week because I, I like Baz I have to say I've had him on the show a few times and I I enjoy him and I love watching all the DIY teams at it and all the builders at it and oh, I love all that. I love what they do with it so it's just it's a good show anyway so we'll catch up with the Drummonds a, a bit a bit later did you see where some people are going to put give, give Baz the late late show at this stage, John O'Donovan, they'll give you the late H, I'd say, if you ask hard enough for it. You know? well, funny that you used to say that, like, I mean, oh, as... Uh, you us, haven't us, put in us, a demo tape, have you? Us, uh, uh, Martin's out here that pay the licence and pay all them huge, enormous wages, right? Mm. I actually have sent off uh, a request to be considered. And mm. I am waiting a return. Good. <laughs> well, best of luck to you. Come here. On the <laughs> subject of things being taken out of perfectly good... Council houses. You, yeah, you've seen this. You've seen it happen. I stopped. Look, I mean, in my road there, some years back there, there was a guy. They, they were moving on, and they, they they sold the house. They had bought it first off as somebody that was a tenant, different, and bought it through the rental purchase. Then they bought it. Then they moved on, and he put in a beautiful kitchen. He actually put in the, the flooring, PJ, in the loft, and put in a stairway staircase. Mm. Right, as you mm-hmm. pull down. And when the council came out, like, I mean, when he salted back for a fast sale, right, just before the, the Melida went in at the moment, now, the guys came in and the maintenance crew came out, right, to go to the kitchen, put in the standard fit kitchen that they put in, right, and not only that, but they went up and they took out the, the stair, the stairs, and closed up the ceiling. Why? Now, wh- why would you do that, like? Why, why in God's name would you do that? Yeah. Because they put the house exactly back to where it was, but to, I mean, it was bad enough to about the kitchen. It was a brand new kitchen. But take out the stirrer and close up the ceiling completely. Like, it was absolutely insane. Now, so they bought the, the house. So the house was originally bought off the council. And yep, then yep. person it's did good. it up through their own private effort and then sold yep. back to the council. And oh, the council no, ripped no. out the kitchen and ripped out the stirrer. Without the stairs as well, no. As I said, the kitchen was bad enough, like, but to take out uh, the access to the loft and the whole system that you pull it on and it could be used and turned into an extra bedroom, blah, blah, blah. The, I mean, it was just insane. Now, I asked the guy, actually, you were saying there, like, why did they do that? So I asked the guy, actually, within the system, and he said, to this, this is what he told me. He said that when, or if uh, and there's a state of the art kitchen, and he said, no, and there's a lot of stuff to make the style and all that. And if a, a new tenant comes in, and if other tenants in the area get to know a probably that person and they're into the house and they see what has been done, oh you know, that, 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 that this has been handed over and a beautiful kitchen, stairs involved in the whole after the attic, they'll want that system as well. So the way that won't happen and to head off that, they'll rip everything out and they put in a standard fit so that nobody can be jealous. But the mad thing about the PJ is then the person then that gets the, the tenancy of that house, right, can rip out the standard kitchen with permission, sometimes not with permission, right? They'd put in a beautiful state of the art kitchen. Then if they'll move on, the council will come out again and rip that kitchen out all over again and put in another standard fit kitchen. But I the mean, thing about people get like I've never John, I thank you for that, and I've heard it from other sources. 
Mm-hmm. I've also never heard anything quite so stupid in all my life that you would go into a house and rip out a perfectly good kitchen just in case someone would get jealous. I've never heard anything so stupid. Well, well apparently that, that's it. That's the stuff other tenants like I mean, from going looking for the stuff and therefore the corporation will have to put in this swanky kitchen that they have seen in another house. So rather to head that off then they'll put in the standard fit and rip out. And as I said... It, Why it's just have to it, do that? Well, yeah, actually, as it, tur- as it turns out, yeah, you got that house, that kitchen, or she got that house, that kitchen came yep. with it. You have a perfectly good house with a good kitchen in it. What's your problem? It works. Go away. Live us alone. Do it, it and as regards the 75 weeks turnaround, PJ, look, if there's a property comes back and if a person dies or if it's sold back to the council, right, the fastest turnaround to me, would you check out the electrics and the plumbing and there's there's no subsidence or whatever, like loose kitchen doors and everything and presses can be sorted out. Bingo, bingo, bingo. Yeah, once the base is checked out, the fastest or the slowest turnaround, you should say, really, on that should be one month. One month. With the legalities and everything thrown in. John, I remember that. you're right. I, remember I spoke to someone a few years ago who was home from London for Christmas, and she mm-hmm. worked in Hounslow, and mm-hmm. in that kind of reallocations department. And what she said to me was, if a house isn't in good condition now, first thing that yep. happens is an engineer walks yep. the house. Mm-hmm. An engineer points out what might need to be changed. If a house in good condition isn't reallocated within six weeks, questions are being asked as to why. Yeah, and it's 74 weeks here. I remember when I finished and they still had Connor Connor got big with him. I asked no him way. one time, I said, like, there was a house two years oil in my road. And he said, I have a better one, John. He said, there's one four years in Greenmount. I said, how does that happen, Con? Well, you said, once it goes back into the stock, it then goes from the ho- department of housing into the, the maintenance department. And he said, we call that the black hole of Calcutta. <laughs> Because he said, once that house goes in, it actually, he said, the house physically, he said, disappears. And until, PJ, the maintenance didn't decide, when they decide, to sign off on that house, right, it comes back into the Stockton and it's reallocated. But that can take up to 75 weeks. Utterly ridiculous. John, thank you. 0818969696. A call placed to the show uh, by Councillor Ted Tynan. Ted, you and I have mentioned these kitchens being pulled out and styrus taken out and bathrooms being refitted many, many times. We've never had a proper explanation. Can we get one? Good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you doing? Um, I find it difficult to get an answer to that question, uh, PJ. Now, basically, what the, what the city comes and it's their re- responsibility as, as a kind of, I suppose, the idea of being a landlord, is that when a house is vacated, it's checked out to make sure that it's safe to put a, a family into that house. Now, they don't adhere to that rule all the time, but in most um, situations, they, they do ad, ad, adhere to that regulation. Take, for example, a fireplace, so somebody could in, install a kind of a stone or a marble fire surround. That could fall away from the house and injure somebody, which actually happened a child somewhere in, I think it was in Bellevue. I remember it, yes, but I remember, I remember that's ago. a tragic okay. case. But it, exactly, yeah. yeah. So I I accept fully when the city council said to me that they have to um, uh, close the house up, inspect it, make mm-hmm. sure that all the fittings, like doors, engineers uh, kitchen report, wall, yeah. kitchen cabinets on the wall, you know. Yeah. Electrics that switches and sockets are are safe to um, for that house to be occupied, even though I've seen that rule breached 
by the city council themselves when they've allocated. Yeah, but what, what I'm getting at Ted is in terms of just just take something like a fitted kitchen. So I've put in a yeah. fitted kitchen into the house. Okay, two people yeah. need to look at it. An electrician to make sure it's been done according to standard and the wiring is safe. That takes yeah. an hour. And also an engineer to make sure it's been installed properly. That yeah. takes half a day. So yeah. you don't need to rip out a perfectly good kitchen. All you want is someone who professionally installs kitchens right, yeah. to come out and say, is that okay? Yes, it's okay. You don't yeah. need this nonsense of putting perfectly good kitchens into skips. Yeah. And why, I, I, I don't know why they're still doing that because I've raised it and indeed other public reps have raised it over the years, pleading with the council, inspect the house, if it's safe to let out. Mm. And the whole process, if, if the city council have the, have the personnel in, in their ranks and, and, and they have engineers, they have um, electricians and they have people like that, let, if, if they're short money for that uh, to to hire more people, more tradespeople, then let the government then respond and provide them with sufficient funding. But that is an issue too as well, um, PJ. I had a friend of mine who works with finance and all that, and she, I gave her the budget for this year, the council, the annual council budget, I think last October. And we were going through a list of items, like take, for instance, footpaths now in my own area up around here. A lot of the footpaths are now breaking up and they need to be uh, repaired. At the moment, the City Council Works Department, the Roads Department, they will come out and they will do fantastic work now and everything else, but they, they run out of money then in, in their budget, so there's footpaths to be repaired. And like resurfacing of roads, take for instance the Midland Mile Road where Clandarrick is. That road is now in a very dangerous situation, very dangerous state. There was a new housing estate built. The kind of the, the layout of the road was slightly changed. They put in a footpath, and but the road is now deteriorating because yeah. of the works that went on there over a period of time. There's no joined up thinking here. You're saying we need a state building company to do this. We do, yeah, exactly, yeah. Like the direct labour units, PJ, we were all very familiar with direct labour units. And also, very important to have a clock of works. I remember um, the late John Jeffries living in Cove, and you would have spoken to him. New John Well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And John's father was a clock of works for Cox City Council. He also worked over in Beamish and all that, like good bit of history there, and he worked in Germany. Yeah. The clock but, of works, what, the, yeah. what he or she said, yeah. went... And they were responsible for signing off on everything then. Yeah. If there was a job carried out by either a private contractor or city council directly every unit themselves, that clock of works would come up. Like, for instance, we bought a house in 1980 and there was a guy who came from the department and inspected the house and he found two or three items wrong and he wrote out a list. We got the, the builder back then to fix those um, number of defects. Snagless. Like one, you know... And you you feel safe then that that the house you're moving into, That's either right. renting or buying it yourself, that that house is then yeah. safe uh, to live in, and it won't be giving you problems a few years down the road. You Ted, know? I'm going to leave it there for no reason other than time. But thank you very much, Councillor Ted Tynan, for ringing in. There must be a faster way to turn over houses. And isn't it amazing that a fellow who's on the council as long as Ted Tynan can't get a rational explanation why they keep pulling out kitchens and bathrooms and floors.
Anyone in City Hall listening that might be able to tell us? Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The lines are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96FM. March, of course, Irish Music Month on Cox 96FM in association with Hot Press. We're proudly supporting and promoting great new Irish music right across the station. Big names and bright new stars on the Irish music scene. Irish Music Month is Irish radio supporting Irish artists in association with Hot Press Magazine, the IBI and the BAI Sound and Vision Fund. Good morning. 0818969696. We are going to put in a question or a request to City Hall today for some kind of explanation on this ripping out of stuff from council houses because it used to be urban myth then we realised it was urban reality now we know it is still still going on and Kevin you wanted to make a point. Morning to you. Morning PJ um, I mean two things really I mean I've, I've lived in a council house for the last 12 years and you know grand it, it's, it, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it the house is absolutely fine it's just the only thing that they've ever had to do for, my, for me was replace the boiler yes. but other than that there any maintenance that needs to be done in the house I do it I pay for it for as long yeah. as there's nothing major, you just do it like. Yeah. But when you had the caller on last week from Doncaster, one of the things that she said was about the availability of housing association houses. It's Michelle. And, yeah. yeah, Michelle. And what what happened in the later the latter years of the the Tony Blair and Gordon Brown run and into Cameron is they made it virtually so they made it so easy for housing associations to borrow money and build themselves. Yeah. And they literally took it out of the hands of councils to provide council housing. They put housing associations in to do it. Now, we do it on a small scale, but that needs to be ramped up massively. We say for years that the amount of houses, turnkey houses that we build in this country is nowhere near adequate. We're about half of what we need to, needed to be doing for the last decade. Mm. We've seen the results of it now. But this thing with the, um, you know, if they did that, made it easier for housing associations to borrow that would open the avenues for them to provide a lot more housing and I'm sure you know, the end results would be better for everyone. Yeah. Another thing they do in the UK, Kevin, as well, and I was talking to someone about this recently, they don't do it here uh, as much as they should. You get nothing for one bedroom, nothing two bedroom. They don't make you, like Michelle is talking about having a little two bedroom house on the end of a road. Like, they don't do that here either. No, it, it, they don't really provide one bed, two bed accommodation at home. It's, it's family homes and that's your job lot, three and four bed houses where there's an awful lot of people who are in the threshold who qualify for social housing and they work, they work full time but they don't qualify for or they just don't qualify to live in a three bed house. Yeah. They need help to stay in, even you look at the amount of employers who are screaming out for staff who can employ people who work in the city, live in the city because of the cost of living in the city. Yes. It's crazy. The one thing about the kitchens though if you're, say, turning over a house that someone has been in for a decade. Yes. It's common sense to put a new kitchen and a new bathroom in because the council, yeah, okay. have to stand, the council have to stand over the maintenance of the house. Okay. So 
that's one reason why they might do it. Right, but, but if I put a good um, one in, if I put a perfectly good one in, and it's obviously perfectly good, yeah, why would they rip that out? That's, that's down to an engineer to come in and certify, a council engineer to come in and certify, yep, that should last the next 10 years as long as you don't use and abuse it. Yeah. Tenant signs, away you go. There you go. You know, give, give the tenant the option, because I guarantee you, the tenant wants a roof over their head more than they want somewhere to serve the nice cups and sauces. Ain't that the truth? Kevin, thank you very much. 0818969696. We are going to put some questions into City Hall to see can we get to the bottom of why this happens. And I don't think anyone has ever come on a radio programme, any member of officialdom or any representative of officialdom has ever been on a radio programme to explain why this is done. I'm not going to say they'll do this. I'm not going to say they'll come on this show now. I'm not going to say someone's going to sit opposite me here in studio or take a call as to why this is done, but I certainly would like to know. I want to know, we want to know here, for fun, once and for all, if I have a perfectly good kitchen in a council house that an engineer said, yeah, that's a perfectly good kitchen, that's good for however long you want it. An electrician, that was well installed, that's perfectly good. Why then would the council take that out and put it into a skip? There must be an official somewhere. There must be an engineer somewhere. There must be a supervisor somewhere who makes these decisions. And I'd like to, we're, going, we're going to kind of try and make it our work here over the next while to find out who makes those decisions and why and see if they'd have a chat with us on the opinion line. Eileen says she put in new windows, a kitchen, two fireplaces into her council house. She paid about 21 thousand euro overall. She rang us last week to say that when she moved they were all ripped out, including two fireplaces. All ripped out. Now, to to say that safety makes no sense. I happen to have a very good friend who's a qualified health and safety inspector and has international qualifications. And I put this to him one time and I said, do you have, not at all, he said, not at all. Uh, me or any one of my colleagues can certify the safety of one of those things. An engineer's report can certify the safety of one of them. There is no need to be ripping that stuff out. No good engineering or technical or safety need to be ripping those things out unless they were badly put in. Eileen, thank you. We are going to try to get to the bottom of it. Kevin Barry is from Barry's Auctioneers on the South Mall. Kevin, you have been saying... With the eviction ban, by the way, the eviction ban is lifted, formally lifted, this Friday, the 31st of March. And the lifting of that ban, Kevin, turns a crisis into an emergency, in your view. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you keeping? Good. They will lift it Friday. It's not going to change. It's highly unlikely it'll change at this stage. What? How's it going to make things different from your point of view? Uh, PJ, from our point of view, like I know plenty of landlords who will be served the notice of termination. Like, at the moment, we're going through there, so that's be 17 houses so far that will be coming on the stream. And that's like those tenants, like there's lots more landlords we're having numerous discussions with as well that are considering selling up. Like, there's various reasons for this, but the majority are finding it. It's no longer economic, makes no longer economic sense for them to be one-off landlords. Like, of those 17 sellers we're currently liaising with, the vast demographic age group between them are between 40 and 50 years. Like, many of them bought their properties in 2003 to 2007. Like, they were caught in a situation of severe negative equity. Mm. So they were unable to sell the houses. A lot of them outgrew those houses. So it could have been first-time buyers buying two beds, 
apartments and stuff like that. Couples got together. They had families. They they couldn't sell them. So basically, what happened then in that stage, large percentage of these sellers, they would have been on track of mortgages. And with the severe rates, hike rates in the last, say, nine months, like their payments have increased drastically. So a lot of these are at the situation now where they want to get out. So, so, so what you're saying is... What you're saying is this decision, Kevin, will mean and that people were going to come to, to you and say, look, I'm a landlord at one or two places. I need out because it's no longer viable for me to own and rent out these these premises. Now, the, the comeback against that, the, the, is always, well, you have a property, don't you? But a lot, a lot of these people didn't want to be landlords. The ones we're dealing with in this particular case, they didn't want to be landlords. And now they're at a stage now where they're out of negative equity and they're putting their properties up for sale to get out. They, they, they don't want for what they're left with at the end of each day. We've won, we'd one client there now, for example, I'll just give you a figure stick. They bought the house for 350000 in okay. 2005. Okay. They borrowed 300000 on that. So there's 17 years left on a 35-year track of mortgage. Okay. So they're now paying an additional 3.5% since last July. So that's an increase in repayments, say, from 1795 per month to €2,295 per month. Okay. And if they're getting 1500 euros per month rental income like that's a massive that they have to come up with they're paying half most of them are paying more than half percent of that 1500 euros on tax as well so it's just it's not viable at the end of each month and rather so than if the mortgage on the house is we'll say gone up let's let's pick a figure mortgage on the house is 1800 a month because of the increases yep. rent was 1400 a month but you only can keep about seven or eight hundred of that so the landlord is having to come up with the balance of the money every month. Exactly. And it's just it's just not viable for the ones we're dealing with, with those 17 that are going on. That's the reason that they're looking at getting out. The other thing is they're, they're afraid of regulation changing. Just say, for example, we, we had a property there up in Mount Oval, lovely two-bed property, and went to the market again the owners of that they had to rent it out in this particular case the tenants actually bought a house so the house now became vacant so the owner of the property was at the stage saying look we're in a rental cap here of 1,150 euros the same property if there wasn't a rental cap or there's one that's up there going for 1,700 per month but their, their decision now where they're saying look if regulations change and they won't be able to sell that in the future with vacant possession it reduces the value big time in relation to it. Mm. So they put it on. It was all owner-occupiers looking at it. No investor's going to look at it because a lot of people aren't aware. Someone buys a property that was rented. They're tied into the previous rent. So you could have two properties side by side and they could have a total different value because one might be rented for, say, eleven fifty, and the other previous rent might be 1700 So it's far more appealing then for the other one for the investor. Explain that to now to me, Kevin. So that the tie-in with previous rent. So if I buy a property that was being yeah. rented for 1100 a month, I, I, do, I, do I have to keep it rent? Do, do, I, do I? You're tied into that rent. So basically... That's if I buy it with tenants in situ, you mean? No, it's not. If that, that particular one that we're talking about, where the previous rent was 1150 yeah. those tenants vacated, they've bought a property elsewhere. Okay. A landlord now that wants an investor that's looking to buy that cannot increase that rent. He's tied into the previous rent. How come? In relation to that. How come? They're, they're the laws. And it's like well, it's, that's... The property's... This is, I didn't understand this. The property's changed hands. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're tied into that previous rent. 
and a lot of people aren't aware of that out there and it's it's, it's affecting where I th- where I think it's severely it's unfair you so many landlords that were there that never upped the rents yeah that they were just saying no I have a good tenant we like them away we go yeah. 2016 the rent pressure zones were brought in right so you could have had a landlord that was squeezing people squeezing people up the rents up the rents they're the ones that are now in a situation where they've no issues because they'd always gone high. Like we knew plenty of landlords that didn't increase the rent in say six, seven years and people were paying 900 euros a month. Mm-hmm. The rent pressures only came in and then the max they could increase it was 4% mm-hmm. at the time. So what was happening, just say the landlords that were maximizing each time, every single year then they were upping it by 4% because they were entitled to it. So I just think, I, I don't think that has worked to rent pressure zones in relation to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just people should know that like when they're buying properties that they are tied into that previous rent. So everyone that would have looked at that two bed now we're selling would have been owner occupiers. So there's less and less investors then that are Ah, uh, no, yes. So it's not attractive to sell on in that regard. No, it's not. And, and you, do you think that after Friday that, that that list of 17 will increase? I do. I, I really do. Is and it's it's just as more and more scaremongering going on out there. Um, and by whom? From a point by whom, Kevin? Just the media, not maybe, but there is just 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 there's a lot of talk of saying prior prior to the eviction ban being lifted. There's a lot of talk of saying right, trying to keep tenants for ten years. You can't serve notice. Like we we I was chatting to a lady there lately. She's she was in Australia for three years. Mm-hmm. She she's back. She's renting an Airbnb because she couldn't serve notice on her own house back here. So now, there's a question that I'm glad came up. Someone has been away renting out their house here. Now their time away is done. They can't, in the course of an eviction ban, they can't vacate their own premises when they no. come back. But in, in this case now, she, she's lucky because the eviction ban has been lifted. So the notice can be served. But other than that, like she, she was in a situation there. She says, this is absolutely crazy. It's my house that's there, and I can't get back into it with the time allowed. So and that's, that's a very real example. And there's, that, that is happening. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a, yeah I, would, I have to say I heard a few people talking about that. Like, what if you own a house, you went away for a few years to work or whatever you want, develop a career, whatever you want to do, you're back now, a tenant in situ in the house, perfectly lovely people, but you want to come back and, and live here, and because of the invic- uh, because of the eviction ban, you can't actually ask them to leave. Yeah, that, that, that is crazy. Yeah, yeah. There's a Kevin, lastly, just briefly, because people are saying about property rights, property rights, it, would it be the case that our constitution, Bunrock 1937 and all that, the level of protection for personal property rights in the Constitution is part of the problem here, do you think? Okay, it, it, it could be. It could be. Um, so, you know, I'm not up to date in that Constitution. Yeah. I won't lie to you, BJ. Yeah, yeah. Um, People are talking about housing as a, as, a, as a human right, housing as a constitutional right, and, and all of this. The Constitution is a very complex document. It covers a lot of law to do with possession of, of, of property. But there's a dev- definite example. People who actually own their own property and want to get back into it can't because of an eviction ban. Yeah, it, it is. And look, there's, there's numerous things out there. And we, we, we've seen some amazing things happen. We've seen where tenants stop paying rent and sublet the property. And like, 
there's 95% of tenants out there are, are fantastic tenants. There's no issues, but there's probably 5% then give, just, just get, get, make it less attractive to go into. So like the people can basically last up to 12 months without paying rent in a property and go through the channels before they can actually, you can yeah. get them out of there, which, which is crazy. Yeah. Absolutely right. crazy. But like, the only thing in the government's defence, like they are, just, they're starting to roll out some some policies now in relation to it, trying to trying to speed this up, is like one of the ones there, we're, we're in talks with one housing body at the moment that are looking at purchasing the properties with the tenants in situ that yeah. are on HAP. Yes. And like that's, that's a positive move, but the only thing is how long it's going to take. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see going forward how quickly they can roll out these to kind of stop it because so, something does have to give because the amount of landlords that will be getting out and it, it's, it's nearly easier for someone to buy a house rent the house at the moment I know that sounds crazy but mm. there's just so little stock out there at the moment and that's, that's not going to change anytime soon and as I said they, just need, to, they need to get more houses built All right. that's the bottom line Alright Kevin thank you Kevin Barry from Barry's Auctioneers on South Mall not necessarily taking the side of the small landlord but just explaining why so many of them are getting out of the business so many of people who became accidental landlords are getting rid of the properties now because of the tax, because of the... Did, did you know that? I didn't know that. So I'm a, I'm a, a landlord and I am selling my property because it's been vacated. The person who buys it, if they want to rent it out, are limited to the same rent I was charging. Didn't know that. Did not know that. Whereas if a new build goes up next door, if I'm listening correctly to Kevin... If a new build goes up next door to my place, that's more attractive because they can set the rent from day one. 0818 96 says it's not only the cost of the mortgage payments people are struggling with, but what about the council tax? Don't think we have council tax yet in this country. I hope to goodness we'll never get council tax in this country. I presume you mean property tax. Property tax compared to council tax, there's no comparison. Um, but yeah, tax, look, tax, it's everybody's, everybody's enemy. 0818969696. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Just a little bit of housekeeping here. We had a call uh, last week uh, from Pat O'Connor, who was a hospital worker, and he was talking to Fergal, I think he was, about the abuse they get from patients as hospital workers. We're trying to contact you, Pat. The number we have for you is incorrect. So if you're listening, you might come back to us and let us know what that number is just again. We'd love to chat to you a bit more. So that's Pat O'Connor, who contacted us last week, and uh, the number we have for you is incorrect. So if you come back to us, Pat, we might chat again. 0818 96, 96, 96. I grew up at a council house. My parents passed away five years ago. The council gave me and my brother two weeks to clear out of the house after 30 plus years. I spoke with a neighbour this week. The house is still empty. My God. This infuriates me because of the way we were treated. Just get out and that's what the way we were treated. Councils are a law unto themselves. Something that was said years ago on this programme by a very old school city councillor 
who's long now retired, so I won't name them, said, if you are renting, put your adult children's names on the rent book. Put your adult children's names through on the rent book. 0818-969696. Now, Sunshine is a lovely name. Morning. Good morning. <laughs> it's a, lo- a lovely name. <laughs> what, Thanks. You were talking about a neighbour and what happened with them. Yeah. Yeah, the, the thing was that uh, she lived in a council house and decided to spend some money on the most expensive floor. She put mahogany into her living room mm-hmm. and a few weeks in, her roof collapsed. So emergency, she had to get into another house, thankfully, in the neighborhood, there was a house free, three bedrooms, so she was put in there for the time being. Yeah. After a few um, weeks, they said, oh, she might stay in this house, which was three bedrooms, which is um, for a person on her own, not allowed, so to speak, mm. in council terms. <laughs> and then she said, okay, will you leave the floor in or will you take it out? And they said, oh, no, we'll leave it in. And then she came home one night and her neighbor told her all her floor was in the skip. But why How? did they take the floor out? The roof fell in, not the floor. Yeah, the roof fell in. They had to repair that. And then they told her she can stay in the other house and of course you stay in a house which is bigger you know because it's nicer yeah. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> but um they then wanted to rent out that house to a new tenant in time being which took them a year anyway but um they took all the floor out and she was so fuming because she spent all this money for something which was thrown away. And if they and had given her, if they'd taken it out, fine. If they'd given her the timber, she could have used some of it again. Exactly. But they skipped it. They skipped it, yeah. And I left this estate as well uh, a few years later, and it was empty for two and a half years. And, of course, I passed by and had a glimpse, and I saw they replaced my fireplace i mean i a fireplace which i hardly ever used is something you think is for life (laughs) how can a fireplace need to be repaired uh, replaced and had you put one in yet no that was the original one but i was told by somebody um that the council rents out places to a standard mm-hmm. and this standard has to be kept so i tiled my bathroom floor which is probably take obviously taken out as well because it was not the standard the standard is lino in bathrooms lino in kitchens and if you change that it will be replaced this Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. 
Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. To the original standard. Because otherwise, if there is uh, tiles, then you could slip and sue the council, and it was actually not the council who put it in. I don't believe it. That's how I was explained the situation. Oh. Which is a bit ridiculous. <laughs> a bit? Sunshine. So, <laughs> I'm sorry, I Germany, shouldn't laugh, but that's ridiculous. Yeah, you were saying? In Germany, the, if you uh, improve a house, you actually can ask the tenant after you to give you some money for your improvements. Get away. Yeah? So, so, so if I put in... Um, uh, 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 dishwasher, and I keep I leave the dishwasher in. I can ask the tenant to give me fifty quid or so for the dishwasher. That's in Germany. They, yeah, that's interesting. I'm I'm being asked, and I'm I've been asked to ask you where 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 does the name come from? Because it's lovely. It's my name, which I decided to take on. <laughs> Because you want to be anonymous in many places. So on WhatsApp, this is my name. I see. um, Ah, right. And I didn't know, I actually didn't know that it's on my um, WhatsApp (laughs) profile. So (laughs) it was nice to hear you calling me Sunshine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gotcha. I know what what it is now. Yeah, it's it's a WhatsApp WhatsApp name. I gotcha. Thank you. It's lovely. Good choice. Thank you. 0818969696. They're getting rid. Yeah, this is something else we're hearing. This is why we want to have someone on the phone to answer these questions or someone sitting opposite me there in that great big comfortable chair that we have to answer these questions. They're now getting rid of all the fireplaces in new builds and refurbs. And it must be the same for the refits for green energy reasons. And it's not just council houses. I am told now, and I've never been inside any of these new but these new estate houses that are going up have no fireplaces. It's, it's fireplaces are gone. And a lot of new wood frame houses have the underfloor heating and heat pumps and all of that old crack. No fireplaces. I also did hear of an estate where the windows don't open. That for me is hell 
I could not imagine living in a house where the windows didn't open. But I've come across all of that. Yeah, you're not supposed to open the windows. You're not supposed to open the windows. Hang on. Spring is upon us. And in the afternoons, the back of my house is a sun trap. It'll be gorgeous. You're not supposed to open windows with air to water. I know you're not. But how uncomfortable and stuffy must it be? Imagine a south-facing house, back of the house, in, in May or June. There's nothing nicer than throwing open all the windows and doors and moving in. And if you have an air to water, you're not supposed to... What? What fresh hell is this? That you can't open the windows, or you're not supposed to open the windows in your house with air to water. God almighty. I, I don't know, I'm, I'm losing the will to live with all this crack. I really am. 0818 96 96 96. I'm sure there's probably some green reason why opening my windows is, is threatening something in the geographical south. I don't know. Sweetest divine. Dear to was on, she said, no, slight correction there for you, PJ. You can open your windows if you have air to water. You're mixing it up with heat recovery. Okay, thanks for that. Not into these new systems and the various different kinds and what they do. I'm not a plumber or an engineer. All I'm thinking, though, Deirdre, thanks for that. And it was someone else, was Emma was on, saying their house is set to 19 degrees, summer and winter, and because of the insulation, it holds that temperature really well. But then, can you just imagine... I, I, I cannot get my the back of my house. We when we got the kitchen done up in 2018, we, we put in two doors that open out and windows that open way out. And in the summertime, literally from the time we get up in the morning to the time we go to bed at night, those doors and windows are open in the summer. It's just I love it. It brings the outside in. The thought of even a pre- Completely well regulated, 19 degrees in the house or 17 degrees, heavy temperature. The thought that I couldn't open my kitchen window or kitchen doors or uh, in, in, in June or July. Oh, it's my, that's a concept of hell. I could not, I couldn't even contemplate what that'd be like. I don't know how anyone would live like that. Could, ridiculous. Ridiculous. Oh, wait, one eight, 96, 96, 96. This is the new stuff you learn all the time now. So yeah. There are houses being built in Cork at the moment to a new energy-efficient grant, energy-efficient, save the planet, all of that. But if the cost of... I'm sorry, I'm going to say this. I know I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually listening to myself saying, PJ, don't say it. If the, if the cost of saving the planet is that I can't open my back door on a June afternoon and leave it open. If that's the if that's the way we save the planet, start a new notebook, lads, because that's not going to work. 0818-96-96-96. Shiona says, they've gone bonkers, PJ. The batteries from the electric cars will also cause more of an environmental issue, environmental issue than we know. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. 
Sarah, on the subject of houses and retrofitting and the idea, the very notion that you can't open your windows on a June day or open your doors and go out the back and leave it open on a June day. I'm, I'm shivering at the very thought of it. Sarah? Well, it's not even about the the actual heat pumps and all that that I'm on about, really, because sure. I actually went with the one-stop shop. Now, I went away and got all the prices in 2021 okay. for windows and insulating and all. Been very good, trying to improve the house and whatever. And then was told, go to the one-stop shop. Went to the one-stop shop. They said, about three months, you know, either way. I said, grand. So 11 months later, I'm still waiting for prices. They wouldn't give me the price of what they got for windows. They wouldn't give me the price of what they got for doors. They came back with a price. from It went up from 25000 to 42000 Yes. And they told me it to, I'd have to decommission my fireplace, take out my back boiler, I said, I'm not getting a heat pump. I can't afford a heat pump. Mm-hmm. And they said, no, 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 you won't get the rent. You won't get anything if you don't do this. And you need new vents everywhere, vents in all the house, vents in windows, vents in the roof tiles. No, you'd have to put in new vents, new this, new that. You'd have to insulate inside the bedrooms, upstairs. It was an absolute nightmare. I mean, it's, I'm starting now all over again. And all the prices in the space of a month have gone up another thousand euro so so let me let me stretch this out now as i understand (laughs) it so you wanted to do your bit and you wanted to retrofit the house a little bit bring your bills down make the house more efficient as any householder might like to do yeah and you were advised to go to this one-stop shop where they do the whole thing for you and then they put you through for the grant and then all and all Exactly. And basically, it sounds to me like they came in the front door, took one look and said, Sarah, you need to practically rebuild the place. Basically, well, they didn't tell me that when they came in. They told me, oh, no, your place is grand. You've got fence there. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And I said, well, your advice. I got advice. I'm only doing what I was told I needed to do. Yeah. Then they came in and they were going, oh, no, oh, no, you need to do this here. Now you need to do that here. But I said, that doesn't make sense. If I'm doing the attic, it's a Dharma bungalow. If you're doing the attic." Why am I doing all the inside the bedrooms as well? Oh, it's just like a balloon. There's holes in your balloon. Blah, blah, blah. Right. So I said, but sure, okay. They quoted for some of that is seemingly in my old quote, but the quote for insulation went up from 1,100 to 30,000. 30,000? <clears throat> from 11,000, sorry, to 30,000. Yeah. I looked at the thing for and insulation. I cried. For insulation. I cried for two weeks. I'll tell you that. I went, where in God's honour? And the manager guy that was running this whole thing even said to me, and like he said, it's, it's absolutely outrageous. He said, they're really, he said, doesn't make sense. Nothing makes sense because he said, I've done all your official work and this is the price I gave you. They said it might go up 25% because everything's gone up, mm. but that's not 25%. But, Someone's adding is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and the grants then at the end of this, like, will you be left with a debt? 
Well, I would have been left with a big debt because I couldn't afford it. I couldn't get a loan for that kind of money and be drawn in on me. That's a mortgage. Like, my house second didn't cost that when I built it. Yeah. I mean, it's if we're now going to try again and we're doing the windows and we won't get any grant, whereas if we did the windows with them, we'd have got half grant. Okay. okay. Which is absolutely disgraceful. You're still doing the work to try and improve your house. Yes. Like, I have got on to TDs and told them, They'd want to get their finger out because we're all trying our best and they need, you know, I mean, we all want to improve our houses, but we can't afford that kind of money. And it's a joke. If I put in a heat pump, I think it was going to cost me nearly another 18000 because I had to take up pipes and I had to move this and I had to do that. And I mean, I mean, I love my fireplace. I don't light it every day. But it's a fireplace and it's closed in. I have a little door on it like a stove. So yeah, it's yeah. nasty. There's no vent, no heat lost out the door, out the chimney or anything. And I said that to the guy. I said, sure, it's sealed up and it's lit at special occasions or maybe the weekend. And he, oh, no, he said, oh, and the, even the oil now. He said, oh, they'll be gone now and you'll have to change that and you'll want to get the heat pump and you won't get oh, the grant if you don't. So, like, I would have been taught and I'd say if I was getting the heat pump, I'd want 60 grand to actually do everything. Like, I pre- presume that's before the grant, not after it. The, well, the grant is actually quite small. <laughs> when so you of see the, the of grant, the, of the like, sixty thousand, how much of that would you get back in a grant? Well, you were getting, I think, five back in the actual um, windows. I'm going to actually, I have the thing in front of me here, and I'll tell you exactly how much the full grant was. Uh, okay, it's ridiculous, like. Yeah, Listen, do you know what you want to do, Sarah? Yeah. Stay there for me, right? Because I want to take another call from Francis. Give me the sure. sum. So out of the 60,000, do your toss there. Out of the yeah. 60,000, how much was the maximum grant you'd get back? Just well, like, the maximum grant I have here was 50,000 was the total of everything. 7,400 is all I was getting back. What? 7,400 is the grant, yeah. So like the total amount with that, it says it's 50,866. And my grant was 7,450. Total. Total. So they want me to come up with 42,000. And I'm not even fully retrofitted, seemingly, because I won't put this in the is, heat This pump. is a joke. This is a joke, Sarah. This it's is more an absolute than a, joke. It's a an absolute joke. It's a disgrace. They're fooling people. Like They're, they're pulling the wool over people's they're eyes. They're telling people there's all these grants out there. Oh, we'll sort out yeah. this. No, we'll sort out that. And I, yeah. know, I know you're probably... I mean... Uh, here I am. I'm, I've said this before. I'm in a very lucky position. Every morning I put my two feet on, on my bedroom floor and I thank my lucky stars. I've, I've single figures in terms of years left of my mortgage. Yeah. I'm so lucky. If anybody thinks, if any goal in government thinks I'm going to go into debt yeah. to suit an ideology, they can sod off. But do you know if you have a Dharma bungalow? Yeah. Because you've got the roof with the ridge over, is there? Yeah, You yeah. won't get the grant if you're just doing the inside the attics because... You need you can't go up the voids like you know unless you do the whole, so you can't get the twelve hundred grant there so you just do that for nothing like you know ah oh, it's ridiculous yeah. it's ridiculous Sarah thank you very much I'll be with Ivan in a second uh, but Francis uh, traffic update very quick one where's the problem so it's just between the Marymount and Bishopstown section of the, the South Link yeah there's actually yeah. a front bumper in the fast lane. And there's a tyre on the opposite side, on the same side in the slow lane, on its own, just a tyre. So it's literally, you could just come across them very quickly. There is people slamming on brakes in the fast lane. 
to try and to avoid it, spun full section of someone's car. So is that as you're going out towards Bellingcolly? As you're going, or no, going towards town. Going towards town, towards the tunnel, yeah. near Marymount? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Bits of a car strewn across the ground. Thank you, Francis. Mind yourself out there. Appreciate the call. 0818 96 96 96. Now it's Ivan. Hi, Ivan. Hi, PJ. Hi. Good. On housing. Morning to you. What do you want to say? Good. Yourself? Not too bad. What would you like to say? So, in, in relation to the housing crisis, uh, I have just an idea. Uh, if you look at any town or city on the continent like Madrid or Vienna, Paris, you can see lovely residential apartments built. Yes. Uh, I don't understand why the government doesn't encourage uh, builders to build buildings instead of housing estates. I think the flats would be much cheaper to buy. They can be lovely to live in if built properly. Also, with buildings, you can have like spaces for small businesses, which would increase the quality of life for yeah. people that live there. Uh, the big thing here with the estates, with the housing estates, it's just houses. You have to sit in a car to, to go and grab a, a bottle of milk, you see. Mm-hmm. You're talking about places like Paris and Madrid and Vienna where you'd have a business premises in the city in, on the, like, and then you'd have residential units upstairs. Exactly, like it's a residential building with flats and then... On the level, on the ground floor, you have like spaces where people can open shops or uh, hairdressers or whatever, you know, like, so the place where you live has what you need for a good quality of life. So like a lot of people here, you don't have to sit in your car and drive into first major town to get get your groceries or whatever you need, you know. Encourages people to live in the city centre, reduces the need for cars. Yeah, all works, all works. Did Eastern European people head home? Do you think after the after the crash? Do you know pandemic and stuff like that? Do you think? Well, I would say I wouldn't know. Like I, I can I can speak for myself. I don't know for everybody. But uh, uh, the more you hear about news about crisis of any sort, like this housing crisis, people. I myself personally, I am thinking about the future, you know, and yeah. I'm not sure the quality of life for me and my family will be. Where are you from, Ivan? I'm from Croatia. Okay, okay. And how long have you been here? Eight years. Okay. And clearly, you clearly you like it. In those eight years, what changes have you seen that would put you off staying if you have seen them? Well, to be honest, I love I love living in Ireland. So I love the people. I think this is the best thing in Ireland. So everybody's friendly and nice, and every I like how everybody cares and works for the common good. Not everybody, but a lot of people I've yeah, met. Yeah. So, so this this is awesome. This is amazing. And I guess uh, the the only thing like for well, I know for myself personally, I only kind of miss some additional activities that I could find like back back on the continent like sports like I'm I'm expecting a child as well so I would love to have my child be able to have uh, more sports available outside GA yeah. also I would like to see more theaters I would like to see more culture happening 
football around. So there's there's things happening for sure. Like, but it's mostly volunteers and, and amateurs who don't have funding who cannot really kind of maintain it properly for the huge amount of people that I think would enjoy cultural and sport activities. You know, uh, and uh, but essentially people come here to earn money. I would say this was my 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 big reason to come here. I wanted to kind of have an easier life for myself and my family and at one point like now with the housing crisis with the prices going up one tends to kind of reevaluate that to see what is the balance what is your quality of life in terms of like how much you can earn and what you can get back and and all that just in terms of sports interesting point that you make like there's a huge basketball tradition in Cork What, what kind of sports would you would you like to see more of well all people are different, so, but I personally, I, yes, basketball, table tennis, I would love to see that. Uh, soccer is here, yeah, but, but volleyball, for example, is a big thing. Also, uh, swimming as well. Um, I, I was very surprised, like when I when I came here, when I when I learned there's no swimming pools. I think I think there's only one in Limerick, Olympic size swimming pool. Yeah, uh, like on the continent, every. Every city has several, you know, swimming pools, and and, and you can just go and swim, and it's an amazing thing. Like yeah. a time for children, you know, because you're right. You're right. There's yeah. such a shortage of public swimming pools in Cork. They're, most of them are private, and they're, they're club pools and all that. You're you're so right there. And small, very small. It's not it's not the proper pool. You can't really kind of the 25 meter pool. We, yeah, we. The, yeah. The idea that we don't have a 50 meter pool in Cork and they have to go to Limerick for the nearest one, you're correct. If you, if you like, if you like to swim, if you're, if you're a good swimmer, if you're a competitive swimmer or someone who takes that swimming seriously, you'll get very bored in a 25 meter pool pretty quickly. Yeah. And it's very shallow, like it's, and it's crowded. So, so, but, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not trying to kind of criticize, you know, it's just like things that I see that could improve the quality of no. life for everybody that, that want to live in this country. Listen, fantastic. That you did, and thank you so much for your call. You're right, though. We need more. He's right. On many other things, we need better swimming facilities across the city. Public ones. Uh, the government have turned this into a money-making racket. This is about retrofitting. The government have turned this into a money-making racket, says Bernie, because of the way the assessments and grants are done. And Kate says the politicians don't understand the cost of these things because they're on such huge salaries. But there's a reality. To go back to the figures that Sarah told us. She tried to get her house retrofitted. She's got a dormer bungalow. She went to look at doing it right, you know, doing the bit for the planet, doing the bit for her energy bills and all that. And by the time she was done with the one-stop shop people, she was facing a bill of over 50,000 and a massive grant. Massive grant. Of under eight. Figure that one out. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96FM. Yeah, I'll come back to your comments on retrofitting and the ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous cost of it for 
ordinary families and this whole grant thing where you get just a piddlingly small amount back of what it actually costs you to do the work. Uh, and I've, I've said this, I've, we've missed myself and Queen Bee have discussed this at length since we got the fabulous news recently that we only have like single figures in terms of years left in our mortgage. We now have a date for our last mortgage payment and you've, I'd, I'd like to think that listeners, particularly younger listeners, will get to that point in their lives someday. You've no idea how happy it is to have a date in a diary to know that's the last day of my mortgage payment. Some people will never see that and I'm very conscious of it saying it but the idea that I would then have to go into debt again to retrofit a house that I'm perfectly happy and comfortable living in and we do a little bit of work on ourselves in time. You can, I'm sorry this government or any other government can sort off they can sod right off and keep sodding until they get there and then keep sodding a bit further. For me, anyway. 0818 96 96 96. Like I said, back to that. Can I just mention an event that I was at? I said this at the top of the programme that I was in town last evening and saw the first sunset of the the long evenings. I had been in the uh, city hall, or city hall, the opera house, I beg your pardon, in the opera house for a surprise birthday party. She had absolutely no idea that it was happening. She thought she was coming into the Opera House to record an interview for an RTE programme and she thought they were setting her up in the Blue Angels so she might sing a song on that programme. But when she came into the Blue Angel bar, her friends from entertainment and from music and from charity and just her friends from around Cork were there to say well done and happy roundly birthday, happy 60th to the wonderful Karen Underwood who's been a dear friend of mine for many years and uh, she knew nothing, nothing about it. Her daughter Christiana set it up over the last uh, few weeks and it was just fantastic. We had a wonderful, wonderful evening and, and Karen said a few words, they were beautiful words and she said I came here many years ago as a woman with no voice now as hollering. <laughs> I think she's great. Much love to Karen Underwood from the entertainment community and from Cork in general on her 60th. And it was a fantastic surprise for her last evening at the Blue Angel. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Katrina Fitzpatrick is with the Cork-based National Infertility Support and Information Group. The cost of living crisis is really starting to affect people who are looking to start a family and have fertility issues because of the sheer cost of getting something like IVF done, which I guess if you don't have to do it ever in your life, you don't have the slightest idea what it costs. Katrina, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ, and thanks for having me on and for covering this topic. It's a costly process. Um, There is government, did they or did they not make some of it available on the HSE recently? Get that one out of the way first. So in the budget that was announced last September, 10 million euros was put aside for public funding for IVF treatment, but that it wouldn't start until this September. So what we have been looking for is details as to how that's going to work. While 10 million euros is welcome for anything, any kind of support and funding we can get for something like this, the cost of fertility treatment is extremely high and therefore we want to be part of some sort of consultation to figure out how it's going to work. Mm. So in September 2023, 
public funding for IVF, a limited amount is meant to be available. However, we are concerned that we're now in March and we're the national charity for this. We're founded in Cork uh, by a number of women from Cork um, and one of them, Helen Brown, is still very much involved. Um, We have a very active branch in Cork, but really... We haven't been part of any of the discussions or, you know, putting together of this um, scheme or however it's going to work in September. So at the moment, anybody who is dealing with any kind of fertility issues, they do go through private clinics. We're one of the only countries in Europe, we're an absolute outlier in Europe when it comes to that. Most other countries have a series of sort of public and private clinics and government work funding through both mm. Um only our only Armenia and Albania are the other two that don't. Other than that, any other country in Europe, they there was a survey of forty three countries and Ireland came number forty out of forty three when it comes to providing public funding or public mm. fertility treatment for people. Looking at ten million sounds like an awful lot of money. But from what I understand, Katrina, the average cost of a round of IVF is in or around five thousand. That's a that's just a, a, a basic average. That's 2,000 2000 rounds of IVF. Is that anywhere near what's needed? Like, I mean, also, that's like what a patient pays going to an IVF clinic. Yeah, is about five to six thousand euros for IVF. But there's a lot more costs around that. And before you get to the process of doing IVF, people will have paid out got me maybe thousands more euros in a lot of tests and a lot of other less invasive treatments. Also, like, you know, we don't really know, is it the full 10 million that's going to go towards IVF treatment? Uh, there were some parliamentary questions answered by the minister recently that sort of alluded to some of that money going towards it. So we're not entirely clear. But another really big problem with this is that we don't really know how many people get IVF treatment in Ireland every year because it's not done in the public system. Yeah. We would be relying on private clinics to open their books, show their numbers, show their numbers of patients. And, you know, with lots of private companies, they don't really like to do that. Mm. So we sort of rely on the HPRA who regulate, um, you know, the products that are used to give us an idea of the number of cycles that are done. Mm-hmm. But like that's not a scientific way of counting how many no, people in Ireland yeah. go for treatment. Yeah. But the HSE estimates that one in six heterosexual couples in Ireland experience infertility. Now that's a really narrow way one of looking six. at it. But but one in six is what the HSE estimate. Oh. So I mean, there's obviously much more than just looking at heterosexual it's couples that would experience that infertility. Yeah, yeah. Of course, it's a very narrow way of looking at it. But so you can, this is something that affects thousands and thousands of people in Ireland every day. So you, like you said, this is March. Coming into April, the public money is expected to be available in September. You have a few questions like who will be eligible, where will it be available, and that's just the start. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, we don't want it to be three clinics in Ireland. You know, I mean, when you're going through fertility treatment, it's extremely stressful. It's also extremely private. Considering the number of people this affects, it's very rarely spoken about, and. I really appreciate your show taking the time to speak about it today because it's something that people themselves find very different, difficult to talk about. And um, therefore, you don't get people coming out very publicly speaking about it. 
many people there in shock when they find out that they, they can't have a family, you know, conceive a family in a way they thought they were going to. A, a huge amount of emphasis historically has been placed on not having children or, you know, deciding exactly when you're going to. And conversations around fertility is not something that we really encourage in Ireland, where in other countries they do. Mm. Um so, I mean, there's all that sort of stress and confusion and shock that comes with this process. And therefore, anything, you know, like the public funding, which is obviously meant to make the whole process easier, we want it to be as stress-free as possible. Um, I mean, we'd like to know what countries the government is looking at as the gold standard. Like, are they talking to someone in Belgium? They're the absolute gold standard. So what's available in Belgium, at? Katrina, for example? What, what's um, so. Belgium, Denmark, the Netherlands, uh, they are very generous. They give a reimbursement for up to six cycles of IVF. Wow. So considering we're at zero, but that's what they give. Um, So they're really generous. But in saying that, it's really different throughout all the European countries. Some just do it through their public system. We don't have a public system, so it'll have to be through the private system, which makes it different. Then there is other criteria that apply in some countries. Lots of European countries have an age cutoff. They might have some sort of historical medical cutoff. Um, Some of them even have, in the UK, they have a BMI uh, level that you, you know, you have to be below because for, for a kind of a higher success rate. And I mean, that's why as the charity that, you know, every couple of days we are talking to people, meeting people, dealing with people going through these issues and, you know, hearing their concerns. We would like to be part of this conversation with the Department of Health to see what are they thinking around this? Because, I mean, from our perspective, September is the start. But I mean, then it'll have to continue on to next year and the year after. We'd hope for, you know, much more funding. Um, and, you know, what will the wider scheme look like for next year? So it's not enough for the government to say at budget time, look, we're putting 10 million up for publicly available um, IVF or fertility services. Now you're saying that's great. Thanks very much for that. But but how is it going to be spread? How is it going to be spent? Where is it going to be available? That statistic yeah, is... is it, this is, the, the, for some people, like, how do they have the opportunity to start a family or not? I mean, that's just, it's life-changing stuff to be able to, you know, think, okay, if if the government make funding available, I then will be able to go for IVF. Because what we're starting to find in the last couple of months, and we hadn't seen this before, we hadn't seen it in quite a long time, is people contacting us saying the cost of living crisis is affecting my salary, my savings, and therefore we can no longer see how we would save €6,000 in a couple of years to get, uh, you know, IVF treatment. And an absolutely crucial thing with fertility issues is time. You can't waste time. You can't put things off. Time is a huge part of it. So people saying now, I might wait and see what happens in September. We keep saying to them, go back and make that decision with your GP. Go back and make that decision with your medical professional. But it's unfair that people can't get any kind of guidance now Mm -hmm. to give them an idea as to how it's going to look. And, you know, when you are trying for a family, you don't just do it from, you know, September to December, which is what the funding covers. We need to see, okay, that's what September to December looks like. But what's January 1st going to look like? Because obviously cycles will roll into that and roll into next year. And it's really important that we would be able to have, you know, we're the charity that gives people information and support. We need to be part of the discussion and then early on be able to say to people, look, this is generally how it's looking and this is how we think it'll look for next year. Let's be open and be part of that conversation and be able to give people that information. Mm. Something I often wondered, Katrina, and again, this is probably a question you've been asked a hundred times. For people lucky enough to still be able to afford health insurance, 
Do any insurers help you with IVF? No. No. No, it's it's not cut. Now, now, someone can call in and correct me, but anyone that I have come across doesn't cover it. Like sometimes some small initial blood tests or kind of scoping out tests kind of thing can be covered, but you you don't get your six thousand euros back for IVF on uh, fertility treatment. Anyone that I'm aware of, and if there's one out there that's doing it recently, please let us know. Mm. Um. Like the only rebate that you get is on the drugs that you have to take. You take, you get basically like a large suitcase of prescription drugs when you're on IVF treatment mm. and you can get, you, you do get those back. You can also get, you know, your tax back, like you can on any medical procedure. Yeah. yeah. Um, Are they covered those treatment. drugs? Sorry, question. Are they covered by the, 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 Treatment purchase, drugs the drugs yeah, payment scheme. Are, yeah, yeah. They, oh, they're yeah, so, yeah. so yeah, hundred and four. That's down to a hundred, hundred quid now. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. yeah, or even less than that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're not paying for that. And the other thing that, and locally we do have one of these in Cork. Is there are six fertility hubs, which have recently been set up that you can be referred to by your GP, and um, they sort of talk through your initial options with you. They don't do IVF treatment there, but they're the first sort of trickle of you know, fertility services going into our public system. And luckily there is one in CUMH, which is great that Cork has one, but six comes nowhere near covering what we'd like to see across the country with regards to that. Okay, all right. Well, we're only seeing in a matter of the few months, like the, the money is due to come in in September, but as you said, there's no legible structure there just now as to how it'll be available, who will be qualified for it, what restrictions have been put in place where you better get the treatment and, and when it'll... Thank you for that. I wanted to bring some awareness to that. That's Katrina Fitzpatrick from the Cork-based National Infertility Support and Information Group. Thank you. 0818 A point on the phone. If we can support the choice of a woman not to have a baby, then why can't we equally support the choice of a woman who wants to have a baby and is struggling? An excellent point. 0818969696. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The Cork's 96 FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns May 25th to 27th to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services. You made me feel. You can host a coffee break, fill a change collector box, or support your favourite sport on Jersey Day. And we're always open to fun new ways to fundraise. So get planning now. Get planning now. The Giving for Living Radiothon, supporting Cork Cancer Services, May 25th to 27th. You made you made feel. Only on Cork's 96FM. It gets a bit harder as you get older, so they say, to lose the bit of weight or anything like that particularly for women uh, as you get in towards the years it can get even harder again I tell you now it's not so easy for men either I stand in front of the mirror of a morning and I admire what God has made and then I think ah to hell with it <laughs> I do at this stage of my life but a woman has written a book, Cork weight loss coach Anna Burns has written a book about weight, gaining and losing weight uh, as, as we get a little bit older, especially women. Uh, around menopause years, but not necessarily to do 
with menopause. It can get harder as you get older to keep the bones, the bag of bones in trim, Anna. And that's for men and women. But I reckon with so much going on hormonally for women, it's even more difficult. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. I think, you know, you've hit two very valid points there. The first is that with all respect to your age, you've sort of kind of started not to care. And I think that's an issue. That's a problem. Um, And the other thing is very much about our bones, because while cosmetically we mightn't like the direction of travel, if your bones are suffering, PJ, you're on the track to infirmity and frailty as you age. Mm. So I suppose there's more to it than the cosmetics. Um, You know, I think, first of all, PJ, male or female, we shouldn't ever be happy to settle and to give up. I don't know how many people tell me that, well, I don't expect to be the weight I was in my 30s. People's wedding day tends to be the day that they were at their slimmest ever, women particularly. And they don't expect at 50 to go back to what they were at 30. And I would argue that, you know, J-Lo is of menopausal age. Yeah. It's a pity she doesn't acknowledge it because she is fabulous. She just launched a lingerie range as you do in your 50s. Why not? Um, it's easy to think that, yes, she's got a team of people behind her, but it's the approach that I yeah. think we need but to how many, on to. Okay. How many hours a day, and does it take to keep that? And she is in a highly privileged position. She's mm-hmm. stinking rich. Surrounded by celebrity lifestyle and all that goes with it, she can put her own gym and her own swim pool if she wants it. How many hours a day does it take to keep to keep up that body? For most people of J Lo's age, I would suggest it's just too much effort in it. I I would strongly disagree with you, PJ. It would take an hour maximum. In fact, for most of my clients, the happy number that we've landed on over the years is forty-five minutes if you do things correctly. So. What are you looking for? You're looking for 10,000 steps a day. Um, We all have gadgets. Chances are there's one gathering dust in a cupboard at home. Stick it on your wrist and measure how many steps you're doing in a day. I know nothing about what you do in your day, PJ, but my guess is that without putting any effort in, you will do 2,500 steps a day. That seems to be the norm. Probably. Because we sit around and, you know, we're busy, but we're not physically active. To go looking for 10,000 steps a day takes a little bit of an effort, but the effort is mental. It's an awareness thing. So if you can remember Gordon Gecko pacing up and down on the phone, that's what you can do while you're doing a sedentary job. You can move. It's not about exercise. But then we do need exercise as well. There are two different things. One is just movement and the other is exercise. That is the stuff of lifting weights and women are nervous of it, particularly if you don't have a history of it. It's about maintaining the bones that you do have and the muscles that you do have because otherwise you're going to lose in the region of 3 to 8% per decade of your muscle. And after 60, that escalates. You're going to lose up to 20% of your bone mass five to seven years post-menopause. So this is not something minor. This is something... Where does does it go? Where do your bones go? Well, you leach calcium. They don't leave you. They just get lighter. So the bones stay pretty much the same size in diameter, but they get lighter and more porous. We know osteoporosis. And is that manageable then through a good calcium diet? 
It most certainly is. You'd need 1,200 milligrams a day, which you will do mainly through supplementation, but obviously dairy products would be a huge source of calcium in the Irish diet. And vitamin D, we need sunshine, but we also need to supplement in vitamin Mm -hmm. D because we live in a dark kind of a country. Very simple thing to do, tiny little pill in the morning and you've got your vitamin D covered, your calcium equally. But that won't do it alone. You need things like vitamin K, so this is about your green veg, eating the likes of eggs and good stuff. But you have to then do weight-bearing exercise. You have to be lifting something more than a cup of coffee or a glass of wine Mm. to keep those bones working. And what is that? It's a walk. um, It's gardening. But it's also going to the gym, maybe, or a gym class, or going power walking with a friend, not a stroll. So it's the stuff of a little bit of effort, but it's consistency. Mm. PJ, it is kind of 45 minutes a day. If you can watch the news, Coronation Street, whatever it is that you might enjoy of an evening, you have 45 minutes in your day. Yoga is very popular. Um, Is it of use? Everything is of use. Um, But the thing is, it will depend on the yoga. If it's the kind of contemplate your navel in a nice, warm, quiet room sort of yoga, it's fantastic for your spiritual and mental health, but it won't really build that much bone or muscle. Uh, It needs to be the hard stuff. It needs to be the kind of Ashtanga yoga, the hot yoga. Um, but everything helps. You can do yoga in the comfort of your own bedroom at home if you have an app. You know, you can do 15 minutes a day. It's wonderful. But really, we need to be looking to apply a little bit of weight to our body. Um, the stuff of squats and lunges. And if you're good at yoga and you're willing to sweat a little bit, absolutely, it would be one mm. of those good things. But we can't overlook diet, um, PJ. It's about eating good stuff. Women of my age, you know, I'm middle-aged, and we are the generation that have dieted most. We started off with the F plan in the 80s, very appropriately <laughs> named, and it went downhill from there. We F had all good. <laughs> yeah, it was F all good. And I remember, <laughs> I remember uh, a health... Um, food shop in inverted commas up in Georgia Street in, in Dublin um, and the smell of it would knock a horse and as for infection control and cleanliness you know but it was all about the fibre and everything was brown so that was miserable that was the 80s we went quickly then into starvation mode with slim fast and Cambridge diets and God knows what else then fat was the enemy then white bread was the enemy oh. and carbs were the enemy and Atkins and Ducan and all of this the and thing. then we became it, wouldn't it give you <laughs> no look as I said I'm, a, I'm of a certain age now and I know no, I, I, I'm one of these people who says, well, do you know what? Take 20 years off my age and I'll never be that size again. I, the last time I ever saw 32 was on, on a measuring tape and I ain't ever going to see it again. And I kind of am in that mode, but you'd say that's, that's, that's absolute nonsense. But all of these diet plans over the years, it makes it very hard for someone to discern what makes sense, doesn't it? Correct. That's exactly it. And so someone like me, I've been 27 years in the business now. Um, I've met them all. I've met the weird, the wonderful. I've read them all. I've studied them all. And they're all bonkers off the charts. They will give you a great result in the immediate. Yes, you will lose loads of weight in the immediate. Mm. And then someone presents you with a ham sandwich and a cup of tea and you don't know what to do with it. Um, and and you'll eat it and then you'll think, right, I'm hungry for sheep as for a lamb. And you'll go back on to everything that is supposedly bad for you and you'll balloon and put back on the four stones that you lost three of, you know. That's just how it goes. So diet is always followed by, you know, famine versus feast. So in the middle ground, the science has never changed of weight loss. It's very simple. It's very straightforward. And my rule of thumb is eat only foods you enjoy. Don't eat anything you don't enjoy. If you don't like grapefruit, then don't go near it. 
have an orange, for goodness sake. There's nothing prescriptive, but you need to know what balance looks like. And ironically, women need to eat more than they think. People are shocked when I get them on week one. They have to trust me on week one that they're eating more than they're used to because they've whittled down because of the paleo and Atkins and everything else to avoiding fruit, which is a massive mistake, um, avoiding too many carbohydrates, which is the second most yeah. common mistake I see. And then they're eating a Mars bar three days in because they don't know what to do next. Instead, They're eat also well. eating something that looks like the lining of a budgie's cage for their dinner. Like, I'm sorry. And of course you're miserable and then you're miserable and that's why the Mars bar begins to look attractive three days in because you're miserable and you're sad. There should be a bit of chocolate on everyone's day if that's what keeps you happy. There are no prescriptions when it comes to what foods are good and bad and otherwise. It's keep it whole, keep it simple. Have an orange, not orange juice. An apple, not apple juice. Brown soda bread, not some cracker that you could, you know, build a house out of that doesn't taste like food. Look, 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 look out for the thing that has a lot of sugar and a lot of salt in it. One thing I noticed I've become, and I have a question in here from Susan, which I want to give you in a second, but I've noticed myself personally, I've become extremely conscious to the level of sugar and salt in anything I eat. I can almost taste the sugar and I can taste the salt and stuff. So I just don't eat those things. But that's that's... I'm lucky that way. This, Susan says, if I had a few kids, I, I, if you've had a few kids, says Susan, no matter what you do, it's very hard to shift that belly. It seems to be hormonal. I don't know. Is it stomach weight? Hormonal. It's impossible to shift, even with the exercise and even with the diet. Myself and all my friends are in our late 30s, early 40s, and we're all stuck with this mammy gut. Okay, I'm delighted with that question because the answer is no. You can sort that out if that's your priority. Look, I had four kids myself. It's absolutely hellish in those years to get your head above water. You're simply not your own priority. Your children are your priority. Their activities, their schooling, everything to do with everyone else is your priority in your 30s and 40s. That's a sad fact of being female in the culture that we're in. So you're not on the list at all, maybe on a good day, but you're not consistently in the top 10 things to do. So your needs don't get met and that's why the gut doesn't go away. When you get that little bit older, the clouds part and suddenly you realise I should be back on that list. So I'd suggest you start early and your awareness is great. Get to the gym, get out and power walk, not a walk and a stroll. Um, Eat well, prioritise your own needs. Look up bbc.co good food for recipes that you like instead of feeding the kids, which you do, the kind of foods that they like, which is the bland, carbohydrate, which, and you're having a little bit of a fish finger here and a little slice of toast there because it's what is on the plate left over from the kids and you're rushing and racing and you haven't prioritised your own lunch. That's what happens in your 30s and 40s when you've had kids. You don't get to prioritise yourself. It is not hormonal weight on your belly, not at 30 and 40, out of the question. What you need to do is um, start looking at building muscle. It's not about a six-pack. That's not what we're looking for. That's an optional extra if if you're Mm. getting into a different league. No, it's not that. It's about building muscle because the more of you that is made of muscle at any age, the higher burning a machine you are. So if you are not building muscle, you're running like a Nissan Micra. You're very economical. You whip around the place. You're light. If you start building muscle, you start 
working the engine like a big old Jeep that is expensive to run, a big old Range Rover. It takes more calories to run per hour, even taking over at rest. So you want to be made more of muscle. It's not about bulk. It's not about size. It's about strength and invisible strength. And then you get to eat a lot more of what you like. The belly goes away um, and the feel-good factor takes over so that you wouldn't let it go. Most of us don't get there until we're middle-aged and we realise the kids are going to up and leave you anyway. Um, and you're going to be left fat and unfit. How important, <laughs> how important is it to monitor your protein intake and look for things that have good protein content? How important is that? Uh, yeah, okay, that's a great question now because there's been a huge focus for the past decade on protein like it's the only show in town. We need 12 to 15% of our day in protein, much less than we are led to believe. However, if you're going to go to the gym and pursue building muscle, again, this is not about bulk, this is about muscle a lot of which is invisible inside in your core, um, you do need a little bit more protein because you want to, you know, you break down your muscle by tearing them in the gym and then you want to build them back up again with the right building blocks. So, of course, protein is part of that. So you bump it up a little bit. But just like you've alluded to there, uh, PJ, it means you'd have some protein in every meal. You do not need to buy protein shakes or protein bars, which are the most expensive food per bite you can and buy. Full out of sugar and salt. <laughs> and they're still a bar in a wrapper. You know, they're still a treat. They're not food as we know it. Um, you're dead right. But you have eggs with your breakfast or you have seeds on your porridge. Um, or a protein yogurt is a very handy one in Aldi and Little. They do these um, very plain protein yogurts. Um, that you can put half of one of those into your breakfast cereal, which is a nice way to add a little bit of protein. Um, And there's protein in your milk. So you have that for breakfast. Then at lunchtime, what an awful lot of women do, very, very commonly, I see it every week of the year, they'll have just soup and bread for lunch because they're in a rush and it's lovely and job done. No, have protein in there as well. Have cheese like feta um, or goat's cheese, it's nice and low fat and high taste, on your bread or tuna, salmon, ham, chicken on the bed. See, there's a thing now, there's a thing now, Anna, right? And Mm -hmm. and I I have to say, I completely agree with you, but my missus is is doing her best and she really is, she put the rest of us to shame in terms of her healthy eating, her exercising. We were going to a a hockey match yesterday. We drove, she walked. She'd put you you to shame. Brilliant. But I often think of, like, you you look then and you go, oh, she wouldn't stay, she'd have a bit of cheese. I got to walk that off now. Uh, well, now, you see, food is fuel. You need to turn that upside down, back to front and inside out. Food is your fuel. So if you bought that lovely Land Rover, brand new, 23, um, mm-hmm. cost you 150000 I guarantee you, you'd pull up to the garage that is the cleanest garage around with no smelly pumps. You wouldn't go near the diesel. You'd go to the petrol. You'd go to the high-octane one. You would treat that machine with respect. So why would you be fueling your body with any old rubbish? Cheese is a very good food. So if you've had cheese, there's protein in it, there's calcium in it, there's vitamin D, and there's fat. We need fat as well as we need protein and carbohydrate. That's far superior than the Mars bar. Yeah. Well, no, she'd run a, she, in fairness, she wouldn't, touch, she wouldn't touch the marathon. <laughs> She'd give it to me, here, you eat that. And I won't, unfortunately. But Anna, the, one last thing, I've been talking about myself and talking about women. Men and women in their middle age, from say 30 something plus, I know men don't go through menopause, which is one huge difference, and our hormones remain relatively okay for yeah. most of it. But in yeah. terms of how we lose and gain weight, how we tighten the body up, 
or let it go loose and floppy. Mm-hmm. Are we pretty much built the same? Um, you see, hormonally, women have oestrogen and progesterone. So oestrogen is the stuff of Sophia Loren, you know, curves, boots mm. and bums. So if you have a lot of oestrogen around, you're going to be quite curvy. Um, as that diminishes over the years, it's the biggest player, the biggest hormone, you know, this progesterone. Women also have testosterone. Um, but oestrogen is what gives us our curves. It's, it's the main reproductive hormone. As that diminishes from probably 35-ish to 55-ish, you know, most people I'd be dealing with are between 40 and 60. Um, as it diminishes, the curves can go. And um, a client of mine put it brilliantly once when she asked, you know, do we go square? Um, and I knew exactly what she meant. What she meant was, do we start as females putting on the weight in front, like your collar there now, onto the belly, and then the bum disappears. So our lovely curves go and we become a little bit more androgynous, a bit more male in, in shape. The answer is very simply, not unless you put on weight. So if you do what I would suggest, which is some weight work in, in whatever way it suits you, but that involves some lifting and um, using of your muscles, weight bearing. And you also do your 10,000 steps a day and you eat well, not dieting hard, but you're eating well and you're keeping an eye on the fat, sugar and salt. If you do that, you're not going to put on weight in your mid years. If you don't put it on, you can't put it on your belly. And if you're building the muscle that we were discussing earlier, you will be losing otherwise and hanging on to the bones that make you strong enough to be able to continue to do that. Then your bum won't go anywhere. So there's no inevitability here. And that's the cornerstone of why I wrote this book. I wrote this book last kind of autumn and, and published it in December before it even kind of hit the media. It's it's very hot topic now, if you'll pardon the pun. But, um, but this is so relevant the assumptions that we're making, you're making them for yourself, PJ, and I'll argue you to the hilt. There's no inevitability. You yeah. can choose, you can turn around in the morning. If you choose it, it's about your priorities. So if you chose to carefully go into the gym with a personal trainer leading you in the first you know, couple of months um, and exercising more and walking more and eating really, really well, you'll lose weight as much as anyone else can, female yeah. or male, at any age. But it's how you do it, and there's no point going health either dieting-wise or exercising-wise because you'll end up starved and injured. You That's know, the you point. Do and in bad form. Health. Yeah, and you do it steady state and your expectations, I say to everyone, keep away from the weighing scales. Dig a hole in the back garden, bury the goddamn thing in it and put a little memorial to the weighing scales. <laughs> but, but how do you put know then you're life. losing weight if you haven't got something to stand on? You you wear clothes, PJ, well, we hope, most of the time. We don't see you, but presumably you're wearing clothes. That will tell you everything you need. So for women, I tell right. them to find a pair of jeans. Jeans are unforgiving. They don't lie. They're going to tell you what they're going to tell you. They'll be either a muffin top or they won't. Um, you either squeeze in or you're not. So take a pair of jeans. If you don't have ones that are too small, go and buy a pair of pennies for a tenner. A couple of sizes too small, squeeze them on and over the weeks, see how they fit. What that does is it takes away any issues you have around PMT or bloatedness or feeling horrible or feeling well or otherwise. The weighing scales can fluctuate five pounds a day and it can be what gets in your way because you go, oh my God, I've eaten nothing but lettuce today and I've yeah. put up four pounds. Yeah, there's a thing so, called water weight, isn't there? Of Anna? course. And like that'll, that'll like really throw you. Yeah, glycogen, which is how we store carbohydrates in our muscle and liver, it's stored with 25% water. So, yeah, and if you have a salty meal, you've had the Chinese last night, you're heavier today because of water, not because of the fat in the Chinese meal. It doesn't go on that quickly. Right. Um, so so it's about clothes, PJ. Um, if you ask the weighing scales every morning what to tell you about yourself, you may as well go downstairs and ask the toaster. 
And so those those no those genes, I think that I think that idea works for a man as well. Of um, course, it does. But one thing else I would say is don't. Do not try those jeans on on a Sunday when you're not feeling very well after Saturday. Wait and put do. them on on Friday. I'd say do and, oh, and really? face reality, PJ. Yeah, why have a blowout on a Saturday night? Why not enjoy a lovely steak dinner and a glass or two of wine instead of having a blowout? Why would you have a blowout every Saturday when you're going to feel miserable on Sunday? You know, you're talking too much sense, Anna Burns. You really are. You're talking yeah. way too much sense. I've been doing this for too long. Do I've know, heard it all. There's nothing I haven't heard. Do you know what I think we should do? We should talk more often, you and me. Uh, we should. Before the uh, summertime, because, you know, we, we all want, look, I, I mean, sorry, no, but uh, we talk about the beach bod. Do you know what I mean? I just, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I just buy bigger T-shirts. Do you know what I mean? But that's, that's, anyway, look, Anna. I'm going to give you one final example, go PJ, uh, if, if we're looking for a bit of motivation. Now, it might not work for you. Um, but if, if you think, I, I think J-Lo, Jennifer Aniston are kind of in the region of 53 or 4. They're menopausal, but they're not declaring it. It's an awful pity. Um, but if you think of Elizabeth Hurley, Elizabeth Hurley sells bikinis for a living. She's 57. She's nearer to 60 than she is to 50. And she sells bikinis for a living. I'm not saying we all need a bikini bod. Life's too short to be bothering with that. But she put on, again, I get the stuff fed to me on Instagram, she put on seven pounds, God help her, last winter um, because she broke her foot or something like that. So she packed herself off to somewhere in Switzerland so that the professionals could help her to lose the weight. That's how important it is to her because her living depends on it. You or I wouldn't buy a bikini from a muffin top woman Motley it. We just wouldn't. We're, we're not built that way. We want to see perfection. But my point is, yes, she might be able to throw money at the problem, but that's not how she does it. She does it because it's her priority. Yeah. It's her priority to get back into those bikinis because she can make her millions out of it. That's my point. Yeah. It's easy to think, well, she can go to Switzerland. It's that she could be bothered. She needs it. It's her brand. Yeah, I mean, for, and, and if you take a, a male uh, equivalent, I only watched his latest movie uh, the other night, I mean, does anybody, does any man alive, I think, carry 68 better than Liam Neeson? How well does he look? 68, is he that? That's amazing. That's yeah. incredible, isn't it? We'll talk again, Anna, before the summer. I've had a lot of fun in this conversation. And the book is called Say No to Menopause, Weight Gain. It's available on Book Depository and Amazon and Barnes & Noble and through your own website. Lovely to talk to you. We will talk again. Thanks indeed. Cheers, Anna. 0818 96 96 96. She wrote the book for women, but there's vice there for men. And yeah, I was watching it. Marlowe. It's the new, it's made for Sky. Um, it's the, oh, I read the books. I read the Marlowe books when I was young. I loved the Marlowe books. The movie itself, if it wasn't for Neeson, would be absolute crud. It would be absolute rubbish if it wasn't for Neeson. He's just so good. Like he is in everything. But I was watching him the other night um, on the telly on this movie and I thought, you bugger, 68 years of age, how well does he carry it? 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork's 96 FM. The whole of social media was up on its hind legs last night going on about DIY SOS being back. This is a kind of a programme that I sit down midweek and I catch up with on the planner or I catch up with on the player or something. It's kind of that thing I sit down with when I've got a 
spare hour, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday night. I did not realise last night that the first episode of this series was from Cork, and I didn't realise that I would... I won't say I know you, Adam Drummond, but I heard of what happened to you. Morning. How's it going, PJ? Thanks for having me on. Delighted. Uh, what a change in the house. Up there. I know Redemption Road well, and I know those steps down into the house. Guess, let's talk first about what happened to you, though. Yeah, yeah, I fell from a height. Um, there, a couple, well, it was 2021 now, uh, May 2021, and, um, you know, obviously it's life-changing, like, and I um, I broke a couple of bones in my spine, um, and before that, like, I, when I was when I was in hospital and they said, you broke your spine, like, I was like, oh, that's, that's fine, like, I'll be able to, like, walk out of here, it'd be grand, like, and then it was kind of like, I learned then that the spinal cord is connected to your brain and then to your legs, so it's all one piece. So, um, yeah, I lost fun- all functions of my legs, um, basically from my waist down. Um, so, yeah, absolutely life-changing. Like, yeah. And that was, you You were literally just on the point of getting on a plane to America for basketball, weren't you? You've been there. Yeah, yeah I was on a, a scholarship in America. Um, I was. I had already been there, so... Um, it was it was definitely um, yeah a, a great time in my life. Like you know, I was twenty two years old, twenty one years old. Like and um, my dreams and aspirations um, playing basketball. But you know, even though that was taken away from me, I just I'm just trying to create new ones now. Playing in a wheelchair, and at the end of the day, it's still it's it's still basketball, whether you're standing or running or or sitting. I was anticipating that actually. I was going to ask you that before the end because wheelchair basketball, apart from that, Nels, it's a fascinating sport to watch. I've, I've watched it. So, Adam, tell me about the house and how the family house had to be all changed for you. Yeah, so as you saw on the show last night, like, and if you didn't see it, like, it's it's eight or nine, nine steps down to the uh, to the door, and there's another big one getting into the door. So, as soon as my accident happened, I I did not have was near my house um, for a full year. Like, there was no point in going anywhere near it. Mm. Um, so I was up in Dunleary for four months, and then when we came back, we had to go to a kind of like a temporary housing where which a family friend generously kind of um, gave to us uh, for the nine months, uh, well, the year that we were out of the house. Mm. But my own house was just just nine steps, and out the back then was just, it was basically like, if anyone knows Fairhill, like, or it's close to Fairhill, but it's, it's, a, it's a hill that is, is as steep as that. Mm. Um, and the DIY team somehow came down um, Anne and Jamie from Motive who owned DIY both came and they were like yeah we can do this and then you know it kind of went from there yeah it's it, it's like a beehive they're just dozens of them and they work round yeah. the clock had you any yeah. any expectation of what they would be able to do uh, I just said from the start they, they said they said to me what do you want and I just said I want a vid and I want to be able to get down into my house. Mm. Um, and they gave me the absolute world, to be honest with you. Um, they gave me everything. I, I, I didn't even dream of it because I didn't know what to expect. Like, I've seen the shows before, but I was like, I was like, my house is different. And, like, I don't know what they can do with it and their imagination to do it. And the people, like, the, I think they said there was 1,100 people um, helped out, but I think there was close to, like, 3,000 applied or something like that. And mm. that just shows the people at Cork what they can do and, well, I was only talking to someone the other day and it was constantly on the news. It's constantly negative things um, on the news. Like, And it's it's great for the people of Cork to sit down and watch something that's really positive. Um, yeah. And I, that was the most important thing yesterday. I think just as much as it was about me and my family, I think it was 
it was sort of people to Cork to sit down and say, like, look, when we look what we can do when we come together. Yeah, I've, I, I've always watched these shows over the years, and it's look DIY SOS the build is is not a new concept. Other television networks have done it in other countries. I've never yet met someone like yourself who's the recipient of what they can do. While the stream yeah. stuff, Adam, you'd no, you, you had no idea. What is what is this? Uh, I While the stream stuff, you'd not you just wanted to yeah. be able to get back into no, your own house and your own bedroom absolutely. and get around yeah. and get out again. Absolutely, like and I I genuinely like we were all me and my mum and dad. They sat us down. They were like, "What do you want?" And it was just whatever to get into the house and a bed. That was that was that's all we said, and we said that's that's all we need. Like because that that will make us happy. Like. And what did, just what did you back, get? The back, whole house yeah. is accessible to you. The, the whole, whole house, the whole house is accessible. There's a lift outside. There's a lift inside. You know, it's a smart home. And um, there's like a man cave down the back. Like you know, mm. um, and the whole back garden is just the gradient is like I think it's like a ten percent gradient. So it's just nicely going down. Somehow they made that work. Mm. Um, but like just absolutely unbelievable, like unbelievable. So you, can you have a lift down into the house, a yeah. lift up within the house. All yeah. doors accessible. Backyard, yeah. which they they were more sloped, weren't they? The old backyards. It was it was it was a hill basically, like you know, it, it was it was a hill. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled for you. As I said, I haven't. I'm at the disadvantage of only haven't seen the trailer. So, I'm, yeah. But the, the, and I'm going to sit back and, and watch it tonight. Come back and talk to me about basket about um, wheelchair basketball because, as I said, I've seen it on video. It's fabulous to watch. It's uh, yeah. So I played with Neptune my whole life, um, and I'm still involved with him with coaching. And um, I think it was about six months I came out of the hospital. I think it was always going to happen that I was going to play wheelchair basketball. It was just it was just because uh, from playing the running game, I think it was always just going to happen. So I went out to the Rebel Wheelers, and honestly, it's it's been life changing. You know, um, I think the most important thing, the best thing about it, is kind of going out there, and you know, you're surrounded by people who kind of who are in your shoes. You know, they're going through the same kind of things, um, and you know, fellows who have disabilities, but I think in a way the kind of disabilities are left at the door. Like there's no excuses really. Mm. Um, and um, they're all just absolutely gorgeous people. Um, but yeah, as I said, the basketball is great, keeping fits great, but it's just kind of being surrounded and being able to talk to people who are in your shoes. Mm. You know what, you're, what age you now? 23. How do you get over, or do you get over something so traumatic happening to you, Adam? No, I don't, like I, I kind of said that, like, you know, you, I don't think I'll ever accept it because when you when you accept it, you kind of you kind of give up in a way, you know. Like you kind of have to keep a bit of hope that like something will come up, you know, something something will give me a chance. Like, but um, I just try to you know take it day by day. To be honest, if you look yeah. too forward or you look back, yeah, I think that's when you kind of get in a rush. And I have my bad days, you know. Everyone has their bad days, and that's yeah. okay as well. But I'm just leaning on the people around me, like you know, my friends and my family who have been absolutely unbelievable. Mm. Um, I'm just trying to be there for them as well when they need me. Okay. Well, listen, um, you certainly set social media alight last night yourself and your and your wonderful family, and uh, delighted for you. Okay, Adam, you take you take care of yourself and good luck, particularly with the Rebel Wheelers because they're fantastic out for the people. That's Adam Drummond, star of last night's DIY SOS. It's on players. It's all over the place. Go and have a look at it. If you know Redemption Road, you know that area of the city. Uh, the houses up there, the steps down into they completely got over that. And um, fantastic. Thank you, Adam. That's a nice positive way to finish up today. Into.
tis. Programme edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We'll talk to you tomorrow, just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.